Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another podcast of the Four Guys Roundtable Show. Uh, we have me, Theo, AJ Nitro, Darth Pat, and Coach Jeremy. How is everybody doing this evening? Doing good. Doing good. Little tired. Little tired. But other Wonderful. than that, doing good. Wonderful. I, okay, everyone else. No, I don't want to hear you. I did. I that you had five seconds to answer. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I, I just wanted to point out that we're all in different states tonight. That, that was, that was this is true. This is the first time we've ever done one from all four of us being in different states. Yes, that is true. What state are you in right now, Pat? Oh, I am living the dream in the metropolis of Carmel, Indiana. Ooh, Carmel. Mm, not a big fan of Carmel, but that's okay. Well, Did this you is get a, some Carmel candies? This is just C-A-R-M-E-L, dude. Yeah, we're, uh, we're this is Indianapolis area for what that's worth. So, I actually know where that is. Well, that's so, cool. Pat, did yeah. you like? Did you just like go like through Southern Ohio and kind of go up, or what did you do? Yeah, pretty much. Like we went through. Well, not really. Well, yeah, kind of through Columbus. And then, oh, you went through shit bus. Lucky you. Yeah, luckily that didn't take too long. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was ugly. Huh? What, Pat? I did find it ugly, like the yes. like the building, uh, like we're going through like the tall buildings that like the uh, the interstate goes through and everything. I just I do kind of remember saying to myself, mm, yeah, those are not very attractive looking buildings, you know. Dude, unfortunately for you, you probably weren't close enough to the shit shoe to have to see it. So yeah, the funny shit thing was, shoe. My mother, uh, <laughs> my mother was, my mother and I like took turns driving, and she was driving when we were going through Columbus. And I even said, I think I even said, where's the horseshoe? <laughs> and, you know, and she's like, oh, that's like a few miles up the road or something like that. I went, oh, I was going to curse it in Matt's name. Uh, <laughs> Take a dump in it. Uh, Ohio State's football stadium, Jerry. That's where. Uh, well, I've never heard referred to as the shit shoe. So that's <laughs> a new one. AJ. Clearly, you've never heard me call Columbus shit bus before either. That is true. <laughs> I've never heard you say shit bus either. <laughs> I mean, I know you have a great disdain for Ohio State, yep. as do I, being a Penn State college football fan, but uh, for different is, reasons. Shit bus is a regular term for me. I'm surprised you haven't heard that before. Right, that, but, but, like, the, the shit shoe, it's like, how long have you known him? I've heard him say that, like, plenty of times. I can't believe that you've heard <laughs> I usually don't talk college football yes, this with is AJ true. because – I don't pay attention to college football <laughs> except for Penn State football, and they only they only play Ohio State once a year. Sometimes they even skip a year, depending on what their schedule's like. So, well, the way it's set up the now, unless they were to like re realign the divisions again, Penn State will play Ohio State every year. So. I mean, they may not play each other this year because they may not play any games this year. So, this is very very true. Yeah. We're finding out that fall sports are starting to get canceled around here for, uh, like, Little League, so to say. You know, your youth sports, those are starting to get canceled. Well, I mean, you know, University of Connecticut called off football for this year. And, you know, today the uh, the Mid-American Conference called off all fall sports. Uh, you know, they, they said something about they hope to be able to play in the spring. I'm like, yeah, that's probably going to be a little tough too, especially football. But you know, I mean, they but they as a conference, you know, again, you know, postponed uh, for lack of saying canceled, you know, postponed all, mm-hmm. all sports. So not just football, like all the other sports that get played in the fall. So that's 
pretty drastic step, but, you know, unfortunately, probably necessary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think we're going to see really – I think – I really think that sports as a whole, to see it the way that it used to be, is not going to happen until um, there's a vaccine for well, yeah. COVID. And then – it was until that happened so yeah as much as they're trying with having um the nhl play in canada which i think seems to be going pretty well so far yes they have Um, the the nhl and the wnba are like the only two professional sports right now um major league soccer had a little hiccup in the beginning but those two are pretty much coming up with like zero reports so those the people the men and women in those sports actually want to play their sports and not venture off to a strip joint to get wings and food <laughs> quote unquote or players go to a fucking casino those are the unquote. best wings in the world yeah yeah let's, let's, <laughs> let's do stupid shit and then you know get pod test positive and fuck everything up you know just you know okay go ahead well i knew that whole bullshit with the bubble down in florida was not gonna Somebody was going to do something stupid or multiple people were going to do something stupid and we were going to have an outbreak, maybe a small outbreak, but hopefully contained. But I knew that shit was coming without a shadow of a doubt. And Major League Baseball was bound to have it just because they're not staying in one specific area. They're having teams travel. You know, yeah, they're trying to keep teams only around their teams and in specific hotels and stuff like that. But you still have them traveling throughout the United States, just specific areas. So you're bound to have something happen there. So it is nice. what it is, but nice uh, use of shadow of a doubt. Nice rock rock What's line that? there, Jeremy. You said beyond a shadow of a doubt, the rock used to say that all the time. That was very, <laughs> very rock like Jeremy. <laughs> That's a common phrase in my vocabulary. I like that. I like that phrase beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right. But I feel like it's after you played the rock, it became more prevalent in your <laughs> maybe, vocabulary. Maybe. Let's <laughs> you know. say that in the 316 promo. Didn't, didn't he say? Didn't he say that beyond a shadow? I proved beyond a shadow of a doubt you ain't got what it takes anymore, and uh, we just lost Joe. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. We've we're evidently Joe Theo is experiencing some technical difficulties, but he will be back. He was frozen, so. <laughs> I uh, was afraid to ask if he was frozen on your guys' screen, too, because the last time I asked about that, uh, whoever I thought was frozen, you guys said was not. Or <laughs> he was definitely I'm, frozen. I'm also using the hotel <laughs> Wi-Fi here, so, I mean, I'm not sure how like, how, like, uh, how fast or reliable it is. So. He said he said mm. all of us froze for him. Oh. That sounds like, that's a, that sounds, well, that sounds like a him problem, then. <laughs> you can... Yeah. It's bound to happen. I mean, you're, you're t- we're, we're using, you know, we're all in different places. We all got different Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, you just never know. But yeah. these are the things we deal with, and we keep yeah. moving. We keep going forward. So does anybody have a story they want to share with, oh, yeah, the, with down, the group? He's down there in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so any stories from anybody? I know, Darth Pat, you are, you had, you're attending a – a wedding. That's why you're in Indianapolis. Any stories from your adventures besides what you've already shared about your travels? This is the first time I've been in the state of Indiana since I left Notre Dame 19 years ago. Ooh, exciting. Was it a failure? 
Okay, well, I'm not going wow. to sugarcoat it. That's what ended up happening. I mean, of course, I'm nowhere near South Bend right now, but uh, yeah, this is the, the furthest you, west I've been ever since. Are you close to Bend over? <laughs> clearly, clearly, you're not close enough to South Bend because you would smell the shit. Um. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Like the first like uh, like rest stop in Pennsylvania we stopped yesterday. I don't remember exactly where it was. Well, <laughs> in the air there yesterday. I, I I could really only describe it as shit, but I don't know. Why. <laughs> you might have been near Schittsburg. Who knows? Was it? Did anybody come out and say, "Woo, do not go in there"? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it would have been like go in there to save yourself, either or in your car. But you know. <laughs> yeah, the outside was rancid. Wedding-related <laughs> stories now. The ceremony's not till tomorrow, so maybe for next right. week I'll have some funny stories to tell. But you know, I'm also still. I, I'll be perfectly frank. You know, I'm still not thrilled with the idea of being here at a wedding. Uh, in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Uh, so there's only going to be about 75, 80 people there. But of course, you know, and, and part of it's outdoors and stuff. But it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. is this a good idea? You know? You, so, you Pat, should, this is what you should do take a mask, wear a mask, and carry around a tape measure that has six feet, like perfectly <laughs> measured out. And just like, don't come any closer I, than this. Don't come any closer than this. <laughs> I do, have a, I do have a mask, of course. <laughs> yeah, that tape measure would have been a great idea. Son of a <laughs> And you should put the tape measure by your junk and hold it like that <laughs> as you're walking back to the floor. Six feet, people. Six feet. Thank yeah. you. I'm sure, I'm, sure my, I'm sure my cousin, who's 10 years younger than me, of getting married, would appreciate me doing that. Yeah. Okay, I guess maybe that's, okay, that's maybe a funny aspect of this. You know, uh, I have a, several cousins who are younger than me. Uh, my cousin is getting married tomorrow. It will be now the fourth cousin, foreshadowing, uh, the fourth cousin of mine who is younger than me to get married. I say this, of course, as the only member of this roundtable who is unmarried. So That's all right. You're single and ready to mingle. Play a little I don't, I don't know about the second part of that, but the first part for sure. I'll thank you to stay out of my personal life, you sick son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one that gets to be in his personal life like that. Right there. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm really not. <laughs> what What are we drinking tonight, Jeremy? Uh, Miller Lite. It's the last one we had, and after the long-ass day that I had, uh, yeah, I needed a beer. It was time for a beer. What are you drinking, Joseph? Um, same stuff last time. The okay. uh, cider beer, trying uh, different stuff out. You've just killed a small animal. It's Miller time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a possibility, but not today. Um, Why are you trying to be a judge day. about this, huh? Mm-hmm. What are you, the judge and jury? I'm, I'm, <laughs> what, what do you drink? No, I was. Uh, that, that comes from my. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a Robin. He didn't catch on to it. He missed it. <laughs> no, but like that, that, that line, like you, you sort of, you're uh, caught, Pat. Pat. Don't worry, Pat. I didn't get it either, so cup? it's okay. Who is the person on your cup? 
that that line you killed a small animal it's miller time comes from an old robin williams routine so yes i do remember that but i think he was refer- he was referring to your cup your i just cup. He- yes he said judge and jury. Uh, I'm mad at him right now. So yeah. Why are you mad at him? Because they split the series with the Phillies. Right. Well, he, yeah, he, he didn't come through in a couple spots this week that I remember. So, you know, he literally has to hit a home run every time he's up. Otherwise, he's just no good. Mm-hmm. It's one of those batters right now. Not an on-base guy. He's a home run man. Well, he did hit a home run today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. those fan duel points. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's getting, getting to the point with Judge. It's like when you see him come up to the plate and you see him strike out, it's just like, God damn it. You know, you just want him to make contact. You know, because A-Rod. it's A Rod all over again. And it really is in a lot of ways. But with how hard Judge hits the ball and everything, it's like, you know, if he's making contact, there's a very good chance the ball is going to go a long way. So. Do you have a basketball fan duel today, Joe? I saw Booker did good again. Si, senor. <laughs> I do. And he is on the team once again. He's they're, going to keep being on my team. They're, they're like 5 or 6-0 and oh since the restart. Yep. I will keep taking yeah. Booker. And the great, wonderful Ben Simmons is yes. out with a dislocated half, not a full dislocation, a half dislocated yeah. knee. <laughs> He's having surgery to have body parts removed, is like what one of the articles said. I was like, he's having what removed? Body parts? Like, <laughs> how the fuck would you wear that shit? I am, as a Sixers fan, I am over Joel Embiid. I am over Ben Simmons. I'm tired of hearing about those two because guess what? Those two together are not going to win fucking shit. They'll be good. They'll contend for a good spot in the playoffs every year because that's about all that's about how good they are but after that that's that's all they're contending for they're not going to contend for a championship and and i would love to be proved wrong i really would but i don't see it happening i I tend to agree i tend to agree with you on that one jeremy one of them needs to go so it's it and it sucks because being a sixers fan you want i want them to do good but I just I I hear too many things and you read too many things and you see highlights from games and stuff like that. And it's like they're only good against the, the bad teams. Like when they have to play a good team, like they look mediocre half the time. You know, it's it's just sad because I don't like old, either. I don't like either of those guys, but I think Embiid has a bigger upside. Well, he does, and he would have a great upside if he could stay healthy. He's always freaking injured. Always. He hasn't had a full healthy season yet. This bullshit about game load management is ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry. I know we're in a different age, and they want players to play longer so they can have longer contracts and make more money. Um, you know, and I and I think that's truly an agent thing. I think that has nothing to do with the player wanting to play forever. I think that's agents wanting to make a buttload of fucking money off these big money uh, players, <clears throat> just my personal opinion. Um, but I, you never back in the eighties, the nineties, right. we were, when we even were really in the early two thousands. Yeah. Even in the early two thousands, there was no such thing as load, load management, load management. What the fuck you would have told Michael Jordan, Hey, you're on load management. We're not, pl- you're going to sit out every fifth game. He would have been like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> 
Come he playing, got he got we mad. Win. <laughs> he got mad because they didn't let him play in that game when he came, when he was coming back from his injury that they needed to win to get in the playoffs. He was pissed that they wouldn't let him play in that game. Yeah, yeah. You, he, you weren't yeah. going to tell Dave Robinson and any of those guys. Oh yeah, every every five games we'll give you a break. They'd be like, uh, yeah, no, we're going to play. Yeah, no, because it, it, the game. The game has changed a lot, and I understand that. I completely understand that. I'm not saying that it hasn't. I'm not saying it needs to stay the same. Things need to evolve. But when it comes down to it, you're playing a sport, and yes, you're going to have injuries. Yes, you're going to get worn out. But you're still playing the same 82 games that everybody else that's ever played the game of basketball since whenever they changed to an 82-game schedule has played. Like yeah. it's not any less physical or any more physical now or any more demanding on their body. The Stop game being. is faster, but that's all that's changed because the game got faster instead of being super physical in the eighties, nineties and early two thousands. It's now a fast game where there's barely any, I just don't want to say any physicality because there is some physicality, but it's less than it ever was in the game. So where are all these damn injuries coming from if these guys aren't beating the shit out of each other going to the paint and stuff like Cause that? Because they're, they're pussies, that's why. <laughs> so it's just – it's it's ridiculous to me, and I would – God, I mean, just playing pickup ball, the last thing I want to do is sit out. Like, yeah, and that's, that I agree. That doesn't even mean anything, and I don't want to sit out a game. I'd rather fall over on the court from exhaustion than freaking sit on the <laughs> sidelines and pick my nose, you know? I saw – I yeah. saw – I saw Joe, our boy, set out because his vagina hurt the other day. So I just shake my head at any of that stuff anymore. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. And who was um, that? A- AJ was being very Le- overdramatic with that statement, but yes. LeBum. Oh, LeBum. Ah, uh, LeBron. Okay. Man, I thought we agreed we weren't gonna stoop so low. <laughs> no, you agreed to that. <laughs> because I have respect for the fair sex. Goddammit. <laughs> Uh, AJ does too, but he likes to, you know, it's all right to say that. Le- Le- uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> See, my internet cut off on me, and you guys all froze, and I was like, what? Jeremy just froze briefly. <laughs> we, we, so, didn't hear- it's- we didn't hear what you said at the end, Jeremy. Oh, well, then I'll repeat it for, for you guys, just in case the listening audience didn't hear that. Um, it's all right to refer to LeBron as having a female genitalia because he does definitely whine more than most men I've ever met. So, <laughs> that's just not to say that women whine all the time. Nicely but put, Jeremy. That, but that is a stereotypical woman trait if you're going by stereotypes. Captain, your statement is without logic. <laughs> I like uh, it. You say. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just, just real quick about your your opinion about Simmons and Embiid. I just wanted to throw uh, my two cents in there. Oh, okay, go ahead. I have no strong opinions either way. Oh well, that's a great. <laughs> Thanks for that, Pat. That's, I'm, I'm that glad we great. waited for that. <laughs> well, that was on, Patrick. Now I can sleep tonight. <laughs> but the whole thing is, you didn't know you were waiting for it. Now that you know you were waiting for it, let's be honest. Was the anticipation worth it? No. No, because I didn't come to full climax there. (laughs) (laughs) He was having problems with load management. (laughs) Yeah, I had to manage my load. (laughs) 
seen somebody about that problem, James? <laughs> oh my lord! I really am not the person to help you with that. <laughs> uh, wow, we're having way too much fun, and we haven't even started the podcast essentially yet. We haven't even talked about our main topic for this yes. evening. No, no, we haven't. We're talking about load management. I mean, why don't we just talk about bluechew.com and Romans and hymns? I mean, shit. Wait, wait a minute. We have a topic for this? Bluechew.com? What the hell? Bluechew, Romans, and hymns are the websites that you see all over TV about. Viagra and Cialis is now available to everybody. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. Get your free consultation. <laughs> yeah, there was somebody that uh, I, I will not name names. I won't even have. tell you how possibly related to this person. But I just – I found out probably like five months ago that somebody somebody close to me uh, is taking that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, well, Cool. Hey, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> like, once, I really feel bad for you. Listen, Stone Cold said several years ago, I know I can fuck, but I just want to, I'm getting old, and I want to keep fucking like I used to fuck. <laughs> God damn, somebody sees you get older. Some of your parts may not work the way you expect them to. <laughs> I have a little goddamn help. That's why I get that little blue pill. Goddamn, son. <laughs> Oh shit! So he's got to change it from Austin three sixteen. Just said I whooped your ass. The Austin three sixteen says I just popped the blue pill. <laughs> I just tapped that ass. The Stone Cold said so. What, Pat? That's got the catchphrase factor right there. I just tapped. We came up with a new catchphrase for Stone Cold tonight. <laughs> and then right after that catchphrase comes up, comes the big Cialis. Like, you know, <laughs> Cialis. <laughs> with, with two people sitting in the tubs, in the separate tubs, like they always show in that commercial. While they're holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, Cialis oh. gives you the power to have sex through materials like you can put your dick right through another hot tub into another person please hold my hand baby it will begin to rise as you touch me <laughs> I commercial they're like old porcelain tubs you know <laughs> oh my lord this, this is are you trying to say they're porous <laughs> no, I'm just saying that it's it's such a fucking mind trip of a commercial it makes totally no sense <laughs> Yes, how I, many, I don't know anybody that owns a porcelain tub anymore. But yeah. how many incantations of it are there? <laughs> <laughs> it's Six. carnation instant breakfast. Get it right. Man. <laughs> Six of them are, uh, are sung. Oh my gosh! Six of them are sung by Rihanna, and the rest by Benedictine monks. <laughs> oh my god! This is the most I fun I think we've ever had in the first twenty minutes. I don't even know what you're talking about right now, Pat. <laughs> So lost. <laughs> you, you don't know what I'm talking about? No. You said, oh, you said something about Bistine monks and Rihanna? No. I'm just saying whatever comes into my mind. You're like certain people who run the country. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're, we we're not going to go down that road. No political thought. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I yes. mean, that yellow brick road, won't, we won't come back from that one. 
That, that would be an orange brick road. <laughs> yes. yes, very much so. That, that will be the end of that, I promise. I'll be here. Okay. All right, let's uh, start talking about some wrestling. Hey, I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> yes, let's start talking. Wait, 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 wait. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we start talking about wrestling. Jeremy, is there a public service announcement you'd like to make? Well, yes, there is a public service announcement I would like to say. I'm trying to grow a beard. No. <laughs> that is not the public service announcement. And even if I let it go for another month, you still would have no idea that I'm trying to grow a beard. But anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, there is a public service announcement. As always, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, whether you're catching us on YouTube, you're catching in on iTunes, you're catching in on uh, Spotify or Stitcher. We do appreciate you for tuning in. If you're catching in on YouTube, make sure you are hitting that like button, giving us a big thumbs up. Make sure that you are setting your notifications on, subscribing to our channel so you never miss an episode. We come to you every single Monday. Um, and if you are catching us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, make sure you are definitely uh, giving us a rating so that we jump up there and more people like yourself can catch this and uh, get the entertainment from our goofy asses uh, just as much as we are entertaining ourselves, especially tonight. Um, and, uh, you know, make sure you're leaving some comments. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what you guys are thinking of the episodes. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, last but not least, we also have our twitter so you can definitely get engaged with us on twitter our handle what is our handle there theo oh shit i forget oh, <laughs> you don't even know no it's at four guys roundtable show <laughs> is that what i, it's, I named it <laughs> yeah that's a, yeah that's what you named it if i'm wrong i'm like don't know what the hell's going on anymore but uh and also always stay tuned to the end of the show for mount rushmore which is going to be based on our topic this week which is wrestling Factions, yeah, we're talking wrestling again. Yes, because we love wrestling just as much as we love Star Wars and all of the other goofy-ass shit that we watch and enjoy. So, talking wrestling factions, we have three things that we are going to touch on, which I have right here. We are going to talk, what do you need for a successful faction? Uh, that's, a, that's a good way to start it off. Um, do factions need to hold a majority of the belts? That's an interesting one. And then which faction had the most impact on the industry, which ooh, that's going to be tough because, you know, there were some really good ones at some pretty integral ports uh, and times in wrestling. But to kick it off, what do you Real need quick. for a successful faction? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I brought the Twitter account up. Oh, OK. So <laughs> it's at the number four guys g-u-y-z round table it won't let me put show at the end of it for the uh, okay so no so, show. just yeah so, so it's at four guys round table g-u-y-z because s sucks z is better and the number four okay continue on thank you sorry go ahead well thank you so aj why don't you kick us off with what do you need to have or for a successful faction I don't, I don't know if there's <clears> – <throat> I always feel like I want at least four people in them. Like, I feel like it's harder when you have three because you kind of – like, the old school mentality was you wanted a tag team, a main event guy, and a mid-card guy. And I think that that's the way I like it. 
I think when you start getting too carried away, like at least one faction we're going to talk about somewhere tonight where they just kept putting more people and more people and more people and they got a little hmm. bit ridiculous eventually. So be talking about. <laughs> so I, I, I think that you have to have, I think at least a tag team and one singles wrestler. And I think that at least one of the guys, preferably more than one need to be able to talk. Also, you can't have a faction with, with nobody that is good on the mic or decent on the mic. Maybe back. I mean, even, even the great factions back in the day, Sometimes it was the manager. For like instance, the Heenan family, the manager was the mouthpiece. Yes. So, so I think earlier in the '80s and early mid early '90s, sometimes the mouthpiece for the faction was the manager. Whereas we definitely went away from that, mm-hmm. where we don't really get that anymore. Okay. Um. So I I, I like it when it's four. I, I do personally. I prefer I prefer four. <laughs> <laughs> Mongo McMichael four. <laughs> four. <laughs> so intense. So what do, four. Okay. What do you think? And like I said, they needed to have they need to have a tag team, I think, at least and pref- at least one singles guy, preferably to a main event guy and a mid card mm-hmm. guy. I think those are when they work the best. So what do you think, Pat? Darth Pat. See, I would tend to agree that I think, you know, like like four guys is what makes uh, a, a faction. I think when you have, if you're if it's only three guys, it's it's really not a faction because it's like you you could argue that like the first faction war was the Freebirds versus the Von Erics down a world class, but it was really always three on three. So it's like, were you really considering them factions or just like? groups or you know three you know six man you know tags or three stables well see that was that's you say stables and that was the other thing i was going to bring up too it's like what's the difference between a faction and a stable because aj mentioned uh the heenan family so to me the heenan family wasn't so much of a faction as it was a stable in the sense that you've got the manager who's more or less the head and then he's just got like the bunch of guys who work for him at any given point and the members can be kind of interchangeable. Like guys can come and go. Like mm-hmm. you know, the Heenan family, for example, you know, at various times you could have said, you know, he had King Kong Bundy or Big John Studd or then Andre the Giant or Rick Root or Mr. Perfect or the Brainbusters when they were in WWF. Uh, or then he has, you know, the Islanders and then Haku is a single and then like the Barbarian and all and so guys kind of come and go. And then uh okay. Jim, Jimmy Hart had his stable in Memphis, the first family, which they never used that name in <clears throat> when he came to WWF. But when he was in Memphis, like I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, guys who were in that stable at some point included Ox Baker, King Kong Bundy, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, Wayne Ferris before he was the honky talk man, Buddy Landell, Austin Idol, Kamala, Jim Neidhart, Lanny Poffo, the Iron Sheik, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Coco yeah. B. Rick Rude, Randy Savage, Eddie Gilbert, Tommy Rich. That's that's a pretty impressive list of wrestlers, but it's like those guys, you know, were all coming and going at various times. So it's like, were they ever really a faction? So I, I would I would kind of say no. Um, I think that like AJ's definition kind of fits. Like you kind of want to have parts that you do almost do kind of want to have it kind of like fit together like a puzzle. Like and the guys have more or less 
specified roles. And to me, in a lot of ways, and like when you're pointing to like what what like the first faction really was, the Horsemen, and the original incarnation of the Horsemen, you know, you got Flair as the world champ. Tully is like either like the U.S. champ or the TV champ. And Arn and Oli are the tag team at the time. Even though I don't think Arn and Oli ever won the the uh, the NWA tag titles. Mm-hmm. Actually. But um, they were still like the, the the tag team at first. And then like when they moved to later incarnations, like after Oli left, you know, like when Luger came in, then Arn and Tully were tagging. And then Luger was like, you know, like the up and comer. And then like Luger left. And then when the just kind of took his place but you know you still kind of had like that part and and yeah i think as having as many guys as possible to be able to be solid mic guys was definitely important i mean it's kind of funny having jj dylan manage the horsemen because all four of the horsemen could talk uh mm-hmm. JJ dylan can talk too but it's like then you've just got five great interviews and it's like you got to find time for like all of them to talk in like <laughs> once maybe yeah uh, you know, you didn't you didn't always see that repeated though as factions continued, obviously. Uh, and then, of course, I think you would say we. I won't start listing them off now. We can talk about them later. But there were a lot of factions that were tried out in the '90s, especially that weren't successful. And I think one of the reasons you could probably point to them, the reason for them not being successful, is who was the good talker in the group? There, because there wasn't one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think like having those components are are definitely necessary because yeah. it's it's not just about having an adversary or all being able to go in the ring. You have to also either if you're a heel faction, which let's face it, most factions are heels by definition. You have to really make the fans hate you. You have to give them a reason to hate them. <laughs> you. You mean the odd, the oddities weren't awesome? You don't do that just. <laughs> The baby cases, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one I was thinking of, but there were some other ones <laughs> there in the '90s that, that also, uh, you know, qualify for that for that group essentially. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and you know, for I would have to say, you guys are right on point with the whole factions. I really don't have anything to add to it. But I do I do agree with you know the point you guys made with factions. There's definitely any faction that I've ever seen that worked. They always had the tag team guys, a mid card guy, and a champion guy. I mean that just seems to be the right formula for a faction to really work. Um, and anything outside of that, like you mentioned, the oddities. They right they were terrible for a reason. They didn't have anybody in that group that was. <laughs> any of those things i don't even think they had anybody that could talk <laughs> on the mic um so isn't that why they kind of hooked him up with the insane cloud mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so yeah. it was that was probably if we wanted to list like the worst factions ever they would probably be at the top of the they'd list. be they'd be on the list for sure <laughs> yes I, I feel so so sorry for for earthquake that he he had to play <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know, so that I would like I said I would agree that is definitely the formula that works the best. Um I can't think of any other factions that that work that weren't kind of that formula. Um you know, you guys mentioned the Freebirds and the Freebirds they were kind of different because I never heard them referred to as a faction. 
they were always referred to as a tag team, like a, a tag team with three guys. That's how they always referred to them. That's all I can ever remember them being referred to as, as a tag team, and they would switch out whoever they wanted to. And now they even refer to it with the New Day as the Freebird Rule. Well, at least they were for quite a while. They were calling it the Freebird yeah. Rule. We we, um, we kind of had one – we did have one faction in the last recent memory, the Shield, that was only three, and that worked. Yeah. That yeah, worked that with did. three. They're like the exception, though, I think. Like, that legitimately worked with three. They didn't need a fourth guy there. So, but right. that's they're but they like. They had two guys that could really talk on the mic with Dean Ambrose and. Uh, Seth. 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 Yeah, Seth Rollins. So, and, you know. And the interesting thing about that is, like, kind of like the description I kind of gave there about, like, you know, how, like, with the horseman, for example, like, like, you know, Flair's the world champion, Tully's got the secondary singles belt, and then Arn and Ole are going after the tag belts. It's kind of funny in retrospect because there was a time, of course, over the Shield where Ambrose was the U.S. champ and Reigns and Rollins were the tag champs. So it's like the component that they were missing was the world champ. Part. <laughs> yeah. And of course, but I, I think that was because they, they knew where they were eventually taking them all with it. And, of course, all three of them did become world champions. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting little uh, – a little twist to it, but yeah, the shield are uh, what I would definitely agree with, uh, with AJ saying that they're still the kind of the exception to the rule in, in that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. in the, in the Von Eriks, they actually had more than three. I think at one time, I think they had four, up to four, but they still only ever really were no more than three guys at a time at the ring, unless you included their dad, maybe when he decided to throw his weight around and be in the ring too at his <laughs> age. At first, it was it was Kevin, David, and Kerry. I don't think Mike was really wrestling yet. Then David died, and then like they kind of pushed Mike into it. Right. Like you know, it's like you got you you've got to take your brother's place, you know. Which is like, oh, thanks for the pressure, you know. And of course, that <laughs> it basically led to the to the guy you know, killing himself, unfortunately. Yeah. Of course, but but yeah, it's like the, there was really never a time where there was like four Von Erics wrestling at once, unless it's like. Like you said, you count like one of the times where like Fritz would come out of retirement or it would be like when they introduced Lance Von Eric, who was the fake cousin, which was a, <laughs> it was terrible, which, well, it, it, it totally, yeah, it just, it, it totally backfired on Yeah, because nobody believed it. Like they were like, who, what? You know, nobody <laughs> believed it. And like, I think it was Gary Hart, uh, the late great Gary Hart told the story on the, on the WWE produced DVD about world class. Um, like fans came up to him and uh, like asked him, like, what, what do you think of Lance Von Eric? And he was like, who are you talking about? And, and they said, oh, we've figured out he's like not really a Von Eric. The Von Erics lied to us. We don't like them anymore. So like, <laughs> it really like hurt the Von Erics like trust with their audience. So it's like, yeah, you got to be careful when you're playing around with that name. Well, it was funny because, you know, we, we talked about Fritz, Uh, briefly here, you know, kind of throwing his weight around coming out of retirement. I actually watched the Von Erichs with Fritz against the Freebirds um, when they were, uh, I forget what stadium it was when they had like one of the outdoor stadiums. Um, It was Texas Texas Stadium where the Cowboys used to play. Okay. And that was, that was probably – when it comes down to it, it, just based on wrestling that I've seen over the years and matches and how great matches I've seen in some stinkers, that match was a clusterfuck of shit. Like, well, 
I know the match you were talking about. I believe that was from the first David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions, they called it. It was the show where Kerry Von Erich beat Ric Flair for the NWA title. Um, yeah, they, they did what they called a, a come-as-you-are match, which meant, like, however you're, like, you know, you, you could dress however you want and, like, come to the ring with whatever you want. And, you, like, it was like then, like, legal to use that in the match. But it was it was Fritz, uh, Kevin, and Mike Von Erich against the Freebirds of, you know, Michael Hayes. No, Kerry Von Erich. Uh, not Kerry Von Erich. Um, damn it. It would have been Fritz, Kevin, and Mike. I'm pretty oh, yeah, sure. Kevin. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Kevin and and yeah, so, Kevin and Mike, because Kerry was there, but he didn't wrestle that day. That's right. You have it right. Sorry. Yeah, no, he 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 won the title from Ric Flair that yeah. night. That that's why. So that's why he wasn't in that match because he was he was wrestling Ric Flair because there was the perception that they were going to push David Von Erich to the title, but before he died and everything. So yeah, my apologies. Yeah, they they subbed Kerry in, but then they took the belt off Kerry after like three weeks because they realized that he wasn't reliable, unfortunately. Because but from my his problems, so. Like the reason I said it was a, a clusterfuck of shit is because you're watching Fritz von Erich beat um Jesus oh, oh, I I hate when my memory doesn't work. Um, he, he he beat he beat all three of the Freebirds at various yeah, points with, with the with his belt. He hit him with he eventually had his boot off and beaten him with a boot. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like well, this is terrible. <laughs> there's there's two things I would say to that. First, it was 1984. <laughs> No, but I'm serious. Like, I'm like, that's even true. That's even still pre WrestleMania, you right. know. So it's like it's 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 still kind of primitive in a lot of the ways, and they hadn't really there wasn't really such a thing as like hardcore wrestling. But that match was meant to just be like a brawl and everything. But the other thing is like when you watch that match, the crowd is into it. I mean, like the yeah, crowd they are was into that feud. They were they're literally hanging on every single you know action that occurs in that match. So that's that's it was that's just- how the feud was it was just really it, i found something very comical about it is the fine michael hayes flopping around like <laughs> yeah like continuously <laughs> like as fritz like this old dude that probably has barely any power anymore <laughs> hits well, him with stuff he's like oh my god and flying around so that was at least you sold really well for fritz so that was nice of him yeah <laughs> well michael hayes knew what his role was like you know, he was the he was the shit talker of the free birds so he was the one that could get the crowds riled up and then, you know, get the crowd, you know, get the crowd anxious to see him get his ass kicked. So, yeah, of course, he's going to oversell for Fritz then because he knows that that's what the fans want to see. Yeah. So, Theo, you yeah. have anything to add to factions as we kind of took a left turn there to, uh, you know, some older <laughs> days? <laughs> turn to nah, I mean, not, not, not in particular. I mean, if you're going to start out with three, I'm OK with three, but. If you're going to start out with three guys, you have to at least add that fourth or fifth person, you know, within the next couple months of being around as a faction. If you really want to be truly successful um, and be around for an extended period of time. But you at least do need to have four, maybe five guys in your faction uh, to make it legitimately successful. Hey, do we have special guests this evening? I might have a special guest. Yeah, I do have a special guest. He's coming to visit me. Uh-oh. So we'll move in while I got my special guest to um, do factions need to hold the majority of the belts. Do they need to? Is it necessary? I mean, it's it's cool when it's happened. I'm not going to pretend like it's not cool when it's happened. It's only only evolution and the undisputed era. I mean, the horsemen held a lot of titles at various times, but yeah, I'm not sure. Well, no, wasn't there a time where um, 
Flair was world champ, Wyndham was US champ, and Arn and Tully were tag champs. Yeah, I, I I'm only I only remember I'm only talking about like in the last twenty years was right. Evolution and Undisputed Era. Well, the point of the point I kind of want to make is that on the Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen DVD that WWE put out, shit, I think it was like fifteen years ago now. Yeah, it had to be because Benoit was interviewed on it, so he that means he was <laughs> on it. Um, like I, there was a, there was a part that they were talking, and I think it was Arn who was talking about they had like the attitude that they they had all the belts because it was working. Mm-hmm. Like that was the big thing that I think a lot of people maybe don't maybe fully understand as far as the difference between WWF and you know, Jim Crockett promotions, you know, for lack of a better term, NWA. WWF was a babyface territory. The, the faces generally held the belts. Right. Or got the long runs with them, and heels didn't get long runs with belts. It was kind of the opposite in, in Crockett, where the faces were constantly chasing the heels who had the belts. So, like, uh, and again, some of the stories that, like, Arn Anderson was telling was like, oh, the Midnight Express were jealous because they were can only... They could only be the United States Tag Team Champions, which you know was like the you know, it's like the equivalent of the United States title or the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you know everybody's getting jealous because we're holding all the belts, but hey, it's working. You know, I think that it it, it can work for a time, mm-hmm. but you got to be very very careful with it because I think you can't let that happen for a very long period of time like when evolution had all four like aj was saying i don't think they that lasted for more than i want to say two months before i think uh flair and batista lost the tag belts back to whoever it was i don't remember if it was the dudleys or if it was somebody else mm-hmm. because yeah, i don't remember i think if you if you try to run with that for too long it gets gonna, stale it gets stale and you're going to piss off the audience because the whole point of the chase is for the baby face to finally win. So if you're not going to actually do it, if you're going to keep booking like dusty finishes, like they did in Crockett because hey, dusty was booking um, <laughs> or, or anything like that, you're eventually going to piss the audience off and they're not going to want to see it anymore. They're not really going to, you know, they're not really going to care. I mean, it doesn't mean that you take the belts off all of them, you know, at the same time or anything, but you can't really have them, you can't have extended periods of time with it's, them having all the belts. When it when it when it when it happens and it works, it's good. And the and the two times I've seen it happen recently, it it's worked. Like it was mm-hmm. fine when it, it it was fine when it happened. I think that both situations were good. I I think undisputed they had them for like four months. Their stint was a little bit longer than Evolutions, I think. Mm-hmm. So you just it, gotta it find. Cool. You just got to find the right people, too. You got to yes. figure out who in that group is going to be able to, like, so if you have the tag belts, are you going to have the tag team? Cha- how, how, how over is each guy? How over, how over the tag team? How over is the singles guy? You know, how mm-hmm. over are they to determine who's going to hold the belt longer than the other ones and who you're going to put into a feud that goes back and forth or back and forth between a couple people, things of that nature. I think all factions at some point, I think – you need to have you need they need to like just conquer and take all the belts you know maybe a two maybe two months max three months max depending on the story who who you all got involved in it but they all need to 
at least conquer those belts at some time, some point or another. But like I said, you got to figure out which guys are really the over guys who could talk, who's got the good ingering skills, and who's gonna who you're gonna put in what programs with what people to, you know, try to break the longest you know record for the holding the belt for the longest time or any of that bullshit. Just you know, see see evaluate what's going on to make it work properly. Yeah, and so with one one second panel, Darth Pat, I'll let you then take over. Um, I think with the whole belt situation that. The one thing I like about factions is because they're normally heels is you have that cheat factor where yeah. – and you saw it – you see it. I don't know. I, I haven't watched uh, NXT in a long – in a while um, because I'm not a big fan of how they're doing it with no fans. It really is weird for me. I, I, I don't enjoy watching it. But I know with Undisputed Era, they – when they had the tag belts – it was like somebody at some point in time, whether they were down at the ring at that time or they were running down to the ring at some point in time, they were going to cheat somehow to help them win. They and did I think a lot. That's the real, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the there real was. draw of factions for me is even if they don't have all the belts, which I'm okay with, um, I'm okay with them having all the belts too at some point in time, as long as it's not a crazy long run with it. But I like that element that you know they're going to cheat. It's like, when <laughs> is it going to come? You know you know they're supposed to be the heels. So I, I enjoy that part of factions with the fact that they, you know, that cheat factor, as long as it's not, like, ridiculous. Like, the ref, there's no way that the ref didn't see that they cheated, <laughs> you know, and they still got away with it. You know, it's all right if they cheated and, you know, ref missed it. But if they cheat and the ref sees it, there's got to be the ref has to do something. Like, I've seen times where ref has seen the big cheat and they're just like, oh, okay, I don't think I was supposed to see that. Continue. You know, it's like, um, no, like you got to enforce the rules of wrestling and what it means in the match. So that's the only time I don't like the cheat factor. But, you know, like I said, I really enjoy that that portion of factions is that whole cheat factor of winning is it when is it going to come how is it going to happen for them uh darth pat what were you going to say i was going to say the interesting kind of thing about like you know factions holding all the belts is that they never did that with the nwo um and i think that's because too many people <laughs> the way that the faction the way that the there faction, wasn't 20 belts <laughs> it wasn't just that it was like, like the way that they like started adding people in the months after the first formation was was kind of irregular and everything but like the closest they got to it was you know hogan had the world title nash and hall had the tag belts and six like stole the u.s title mm-hmm. uh you know from from eddie guerrero or i, I think it was yeah uh, something like that so they get possession of it but then they, even so then it's like they never had the cruiserweight titles like the nwo really never kind of i mean six did hold it a couple times but it always seemed like that was a title that they never were really concerned with, but mm-hmm. that, like I said, that had more to do with just that the way they they grew the belts. And um, the other pretty other thing is like uh, their title runs did get a little stale. I mean, Hogan held the title for a year, dropped it to Luger for what was it like a week, then won it back to just build for the Sting match, and then they screwed all that up. But you know, with Nash and Hall, what do they they like lost the tag titles like what like three or four times just for Bischoff to give them back to them and everything. So, you know, that got yeah. tedious. You know. Yeah, well, that's what so. happens when you re- let the uh, the inmates run the asylum. So <laughs> we know that that's a there was a big downfall at WCW. They were letting the inmates run the asylum. So or you've got the guy who's in charge of everything who just you know 
it's more or less starstruck and just like you know lets those guys you know do what they want so like, yeah. oh my god it's hogan he's gotta have the title can't Give say a title no. to him. <laughs> look i mean but at the same time if hogan's gonna turn heel yeah he has to have the belt because at some point it's, for it's, a period of time for sure Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's like if you turn him heel and you don't have him win the title, it's kind of stupid. No, that that's one hundred percent true. I'm sure we'll get back to that later. The the problem was is that he's winning the title off of a guy who was also really a heel at the time. So WCW didn't have like the the right guy holding the belt. You know, it's like Hogan mm-hmm. should have been beating Sting or Savage or some other babyface. Uh, you know, to win the title the first time. Even Flair, even if Flair had been a heel, because Flair was still Mister WCW. Yeah, very true. Absolutely. All right, so before we move on to our final topic of today, let's do another quick public service announcement for all our fans out there. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in, no matter where you're catching us, if you're catching us on YouTube. Um, you know, once again, always, always, always make sure you turn on those notifications, give us a big thumbs up, like our uh, podcast, and subscribe to our channel so you never, ever miss a wonderful episode Leave a comment because we'd love to know what you guys think. And if you are catching us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or Spotify, thank you guys for listening in there also. Uh, don't forget to give us a rating so we can jump up and more people like yourself can catch us uh, on this crazy journey that we call a podcast, if that's what really what you want to kind of call it. I guess we could say it's a podcast or just a giant bullshit session every week. Either way, we're having fun. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, once again, we do have a Twitter account so you can catch us at for the number four guys with a z round table so that you guys can interact with us there also you'll also catch uh, we do put the links up there to all our podcasts on our twitter account and always 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 stay tuned to the end of the show and catch the mount rushmore this week which is going to be based on wrestling you can probably guess what it's going to be but please stay tuned to the end so you do not miss it so let's go on to our last topic, guys, and uh, that is which faction had the most impact on the industry, which this ought to be interesting with four of us, some of us more historical in nature of wrestling, and me being kind of the, the guy that really likes the newer stuff. So would, there's, a, there's a couple. I think there's two or three I think you can definitely make a case for. Okay. Go ahead. What do you um, think, AJ? Three main ones, at least. The Four Horsemen, okay. the NWO, and DX. I think those three are the ones that probably had the biggest impact. I mean, the NWO and D-Generation X are two of the biggest merch sellers in wrestling history. So you've got two factions who's in the top five or ten merchandise sales-wise all time. So, yes. um, True. I. I don't want to get into too much depth with those two because I have a feeling we may be talking about them later. That's um, a possibility. So, but I do think that you can't. The, I think the the horsemen probably started it. I think you have to go back to them and, and like kind of highlight them as the first one that was recognizable, even though not a lot of people were watching WCW. Back in the late 80s, I know I, I was watching it, but it, a ton of people weren't watching it compared to what WWF was doing. But I think the NW or the Four Horsemen's the one that I remember the most from my childhood, mm-hmm. probably. And then 
the NWO came, and if we don't get the NWO, we don't get DX essentially. So like those no. two kind of. <laughs> well, yeah, NWO. One was the byproduct of the other. Yeah, yeah. NWO. If if the NWO didn't happen, there's doubt, no doubt, we don't get Degeneration X. Because, or the attitude. We we don't even get the attitude era, probably. Right. So, probably yeah. not. Possibly, most likely not. But definitely more, not more DX because without the need for some kind of crazy ass faction to counteract the NWO. Why does Vin, why would Vince even think he would need something like that? He would, you know, Oh, we're still good doing the crazy goofy gimmicks. Dumb shit, yeah. Superhero guys. And you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine with that. Just keep going, keep rolling. You know, we, we, maybe we go a little edgier and we say, uh, sex. <laughs> You know, obviously Theo's obviously <laughs> Theo is kind of thinking what I'm thinking with the factions there, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, those, those are the main three ones. You know, you don't get DX without the NWO. And I mean there's there's a lot of other things that, you know, yeah, you really probably don't get the attitude area. You cut air at all. I mean, you just think about what happened when Hogan turned um one of the biggest baby faces of all time, turning heel. Everything turning changed. Out. Yeah, everything legitimately just changed. Um, like, when was the last time you saw a crowd get so pissed off at a professional wrestler where they throw that much shit in the ring and just tossing it into the ring, just littering the shit out of a professional wrestling ring? And poor Mean Gene, just like he's probably just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is going on right now?" <laughs> he's just like, "I gotta keep my face and just keep doing this promo with Hogan, even though there's shit th- being thrown at us." But it, it really did start a lot of a lot of other things that came down the road mm-hmm. i was just gonna say i remember some old tna shows where the audience realized jeff jarrett was about to win the title again where they started throwing shit yeah. like that but it's like would they have ever known to do that if they hadn't thrown him at the nwo first correct yeah true well the crazy thing true. is is that you know, if you listening to different wrestling podcasts that I have done, uh, that I've listened to, like Stone Cold and Jericho and some other ones that I've listened to from former professional wrestlers or bookers, um, there was like back in the 70s and early 80s, like people really believed in wrestling, like yes, that it was really because there was, was so real. much. Cake- yeah, because there was so much kayfabe, there was no breaking kayfabe at, at that point in time. No. You didn't ride with a babyface. You only rode with heels if you were a heel, and you only rode with babyfaces if you were a babyface. So nobody ever knew you were any that you were friends with anybody else other than the other bad guys or good guys. So there was a lot of stories that I heard of, especially when guys went to Puerto Rico and stuff like that about piss being thrown on them and batteries being thrown on them and shit like that. It's like, dude, like that's a little nuts. Like <laughs> I probably um, wouldn't have gone to Puerto Rico to wrestle. And back then too, it was like more, I want to say the, the wrestling was different too. It's kind of like, I don't want to compare it to strong style in new Japan, but it, it was a lot of grappling type mm-hmm. of wrestling and throwing, you know, suplexes and hip tosses and a lot of like the, the physical part of like the, the technical wrestling. So I can mm-hmm. see why, like a lot of people thought that shit was like legitimately real, even though it you was know, like, yeah, we're, we're fooling all you people <laughs> at the end of the day for the most part. But yeah, I mean, I've watched some old matches that I've been able to find on like on, youtube and other outlets and whatnot and like yeah i can kind of see where these people are coming from yeah. like the the style and the headlocks the headlocks were just more like like forceful you can see 
like when the guy's grabbing him, he's putting him in the headlock. You can see his like not just holding him, but like you see his muscles start bulging because he's actually like holding that in and kind of squeezing on it and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, they were they were really kind of you know getting a little more physical, you know, back then. So yeah, like I, I get where the crowd's coming from. Oh, and that's kind of where one of the things, some of the stuff that's lost in wrestling anymore is, you know, making shit look real, even though, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's planned, you know, you still should make it look real. Like if you're going to slap a headlock on somebody, slap a headlock on him, like, you know, make it look like you're putting him in pain, you know, oh, that, your head. that too. And a submission holds submission holds are a joke anymore. People don't know. I, I used to, I mean, I, I've watched MMA since the mid-90s as well. So submission holds, as I always find them cool. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a fan of submission holds, but... I think they're boring. Not, I, I know. <laughs> and it just, because professional wrestlers don't, they, they do it such half-ass and they... they That's true. They, they oversell it in the wrong way for it to be looking legitimate, and it's just not. My favorite... And that's, that's the problem. My favorite was the John Cena... Oh. Uh, step over toe hold like face. the STFU. Yeah, the STFU. That was my favorite because his arms are so damn big that he never like locked the dude's face in. Like the guy could have slipped his head out at any point. In time. Like, I'm gonna like, hold dude, you. You're not hurting anybody with that fucking thing. <laughs> it's Those so bad. I I but, do remember, and uh, I'm just making a point of the whole like wrestling being real. I do remember in Booker T's book. He talks about Goldberg like sitting in the office, and he said Goldberg. He thought Goldberg actually thought it was real at one point. So, I, I I'm telling you, I know we're kind of going off on a tangent about <laughs> factions, but I have to tell you, I saw an interview with with the Goldberg, and he the way he talked, he did think it was fucking. Real. He thought he was like every match that he won was like I won that match. Like, nah, dude, like. They knew you were going to win, and, like, the guy that was losing knew he was going to lose. I like, just, <laughs> that's that's what I remember from Booker T's book. Because, like, I remember when I read his book, and I was disappointed because it was just mostly about, like, when he was in jail and when he was in WCW. It wasn't really about WWE. But I, that's what I remember from his book, him saying that him and Steiner and Goldberg were in the office one day, and he's like, I don't know what was going on, but he's like, Goldberg was having an argument with Bischoff. Like he was legitimately mad if he was going to lose. Cause he thought this was real. Well, and, and either that, either he really thought it was real or Goldberg was that intense and that into his character that he never broke kayfabe and, and, and believe, you know, had to make believe that he was Oof. believing that he was always winning. Uh, but anyways, so he, <laughs> Darth, he, you want to add something real quick? <laughs> He was definitely intense, but uh, yeah, he he, uh, he was guilty of uh, something that Jim Cornette said about Bret Hart a lot over the years is that he took himself too seriously. Mm. He he didn't he couldn't like back off, I guess you could say from it because it's very possible that what you're talking about with like Goldberg being pissed off too is like a you know if you remember the the Jericho angle and oh, oh yeah. Jericho was like constantly calling him out and everything. <laughs> and Jericho, in his first book, like, you know, was like recounting those stories. Like, yeah, you know, he gets called into the office, and there's Bischoff and Hogan and Goldberg. And, you know, they're like, you know, Goldberg's pissed off, and Bischoff's like, why are you doing what you're doing and everything? And Jericho's like, you told me I could. And Bob listen, and Goldberg's like, I don't do this comedy stuff. <laughs> And Hogan just kind of sitting there going like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and Jericho's like, 
Bill, you're not doing comedy stuff. I'm doing comedy stuff. Yeah, you say just like like I'm the one who's making myself out to be an idiot because I honestly believe that because I call you out and you don't show up when we everybody knows you're not here that that means I have a victory over you. You know, it's like couldn't see what the benefit was. The genius of it. Yeah, because the genius was it would have got if Goldberg had followed had you know just eased up and like let them like fall through with it completely it would have elevated both of them because he would have had jericho calling goldberg out for however many months it was or whatever and then you know so he's pissing the audience off because the audience was was 100 behind goldberg then and eventually it's going to lead to goldberg just breaking him in half which is what everybody wants to see goldberg's not going to look any worse for doing that because he's doing exactly what the audience wants him to do which is kick the shit out of somebody and Jericho is going to give the audience what they want to, and that he's going to get the, the shit kicked out of them. Um, they would have both been better off for it in the long run, but you know they just kept mixing it because you know Goldberg basically just couldn't lighten up. So. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? He's... But anyways, uh, Pat, Darth Pat, do you have anything to add to uh, factions that had a major role in the industry, like game-changing factions? No, I mean, I, I really think we've said them all because, like I said, it's like if, if they weren't uh, a faction, they were a stable. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you, you could make an argument that some of these, like, you know, heel managers with their stables were were groundbreaking in certain ways. Um, but again, they, they weren't really factions. You know, they, they weren't all working towards, like, a common goal or something. Um you know, so they all have like their own agenda still. Like factions still generally have like an overriding agenda. And like again, the Wolfman was just well, the four horsemen, the agenda was basically protect Rick Flair as champion, you know, because that's what he would always do is like, you know, the Anderson mm-hmm. the shit out of Dusty or Magnum or whoever was opposing Flair for like that month or whatever. Um the NWO, of course, it was, you know, we're here to take, you know, we're, we're taking over, you know, DX, it was basically just, you know, you can't tell us what to do. So mm-hmm. um, there's, there's really no other faction I can think of. It was like as good as like, like, is it just as an example, as good of a faction as the shield were, they, they didn't change the game, you know, right. no. there wasn't anything game changing about them. And, there have been other factions that were like, you know, entertaining too, but again, I wouldn't say that they were, you know, like game changers. Evolution was squad. cool. Evolution, yeah. <laughs> Spirit Squad was awesome. <laughs> well, we do have, you know, and, and that's the thing. We got, I think we do need to talk about a couple of factions that just were, they may not have been game changing, but they were fun well, to watch or they were I, really good factions. Like I think the spirit squad was yeah. awesome. Well, I don't I care what think, anybody says. I think at this point, I think it's okay for us to just name drop a little bit and talk about yeah. some factions. So sure, let's do some name dropping. My name's Jeremy. oh my god uh yeah no the spirits guys i mean come on when we did when we were totally crazy we were doing our wrestling and it was fun to be them wasn't it we were the spirit squad i mean i went like i uh i think i mentioned uh this you guys um not during the podcast but i went back and watched some of that stuff and i saw 
one of the Spirit Squad promos that we do did. It was me and one of our other Pat. friends, and we were doing a stretching one. And Johnny Japan comes in, and he wants to be part of the Spirit <laughs> Squad. He stole yeah, somebody's right. shirt, that's put his name the on it. And then the Wallies come in, and they're doing the imitating the the stretching, and we're being a little doing some stretching that could be considered, you know, inappropriate or sexual in nature. But it was it was just fun to be that goofy. It was suggest it was suggestive. All yes, suggestive. <laughs> I believe okay. I believe all four of us were in the super squad. Yes, we did do the super. Yeah, we called it the super squad because you know we didn't want to have anybody you know. Getting all four of us were members <laughs> at various times. Yeah, like yes. not, not ever consistently because we kind of used it like here and there at various times. I believe in the first promo we did, all four of us that are on this video on this podcast were in the first promo. That's a very good possibility. And I think Johnny Japan I stole Joey's uh, shirt. <laughs> he stole his pants. He stole his pants. Well, no, I mean, for the promo that I was talking about, I think he stole Joey's shirt and put Johnny on there instead of Joey or something. Yes. <laughs> it's just really, really fun. Because I remember I'll... you had the megaphone and you were like, Pat! <laughs> so all, four, all five, four of the five people in the first Super Squad promo. All four of us were in that. And I mean, oh, yeah. look I, what came out of the Super uh, out of the Spirit Squad in WWE. Dolph you Ziggler. Got Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. And yep. if Kenny would have <laughs> kept his shit together, so to say, he would have probably yeah. he probably would have done yeah. WWE. I think he would have yeah. because he was a hell of a talent. He just whatever the heck his mental I don't want to say mental, but his uh, attitude was is what caused him not to be there very long after the spirit squad yeah. broke up it was it was attitudinal with them and of course he's he's also one of those guys who was like oh it was all cena's fault <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's cena's fault that you're acting like an idiot Cena, <laughs> let's bring up the nexus yeah there we go ah uh, there we go that was a good faction i like them cena ruined that cena did ruin that he he, he did yeah he 100 percent is to blame on that one. Oh, on the nexus yeah, he, yeah. He, he's admitted to that too, but it's like, yeah, but it's like, it's like that one Family Guy line where they're making fun of Sean Connery only to reveal that Sean Connery is in the same room the whole time. They talk about <laughs> apologizing. It's like it's too late. The damage is done. What was <laughs> the other faction that came out of Nexus? Wasn't there the core? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the it. core. That was yeah. that was a lame attempt. That was memorable. The Nexus together. <laughs> That's why I can't remember the name. I just knew there was something that came let's, out of it. There's, it a, there's, there's another faction that was cool that if you go to the website, it takes you to AEW's website, correct, Joe? Yes, it does. Right to censor. Right to censor. So if you go to, if you actually type in your web browser, right to censor, it takes you to AEW.com. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a joke. It's on one of the AEW pages I follow on Facebook, and I was like, let me see. So I hopped on my phone, and I typed it in, and I'm like, holy shit, it really goes to AEW. They were so, they were entertaining. I liked Right to Censor. I thought they were entertaining. I'm going to be honest. I don't remember them. I don't um, remember Right to Censor. They Who dressed in up it? in, like, white and white shirts and ties and black pants. Like, Bull Buchanan was in it, and uh, okay. um, what was her name? Um, the woman was in it. It was, yeah. it was Steve Richards, Bull Buchanan, the Godfather who became the Good Father, 
Yeah. Val, Venus, Val Venus and Ivory and Ivory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ivory was like the school teacher lady. Yes. Kind of. They, they yes. dressed they, they dressed in like, you know, white shirts and black pants and black Amish. They, they, they were like out to, you know, stop anything that was like overly suggestive or, or sexualized from, you know, from happening. And they were <laughs> a, uh, they, they were a parody on the uh the well-known, uh, going to get a little political here, unfortunately. Uh, the well-known uh, conservative uh, lobbying group that's called the Parents Television Council, the, the PTC. Yes, I remember. Uh, okay. They've they've always had, for lack of a better term, a hard on for WWE. <laughs> started in terms of like their content and everything. Um, so Vince being Vince got the idea, who knows who came up with it and can't even say Russo because he was gone by that point. Um, Hey, uh, you know, the letters P and R are pretty close to each other in the, uh, in the alphabet. Why don't we come up with a, with a group called the RTC, the right to censor, because that's all the PTC is trying to do. They're trying to censor us. (laughs) And, um, you know, we'll, we'll let them be like the annoying heel group that nobody likes. And, you know, we'll give them this music where it's just like, you know, like, like, you know, like this blaring siren going like, you know, <laughs> they're so annoying. I hate it when they came out. Yeah, so, I mean, the, 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 they served their purpose for a while. They also, of course, led to Jerry Lawler quitting WWF, you know, in, in 2001 because they, they'd gotten like his then wife, you know, the cat into the angle and everything. Mm. But they were also um, wise enough to to break them up. I'm not even sure if they were together for a full year, but they were. Uh, they they, no. they said that like you know it had kind of run of its it had run its course, and they they broke them up soon enough. And it's funny that you would put Val Venus in there because he was the big <laughs> Val Boski at one point in time. And, He's and, like, and hello, the Godfather, ladies. Like, <laughs> yeah, and the Godfather, like really. So yeah. I mean, yeah, the Godfather running his whole train. <laughs> so, and in some ways, too, it was kind of funny that Stevie Richards, or I'm sorry, Stephen Richards, Richards. Was, yeah. was the leader of that group, considering that he had been in, like, you know, the BWO. Right, yes. the BWO, there's a good B-W-O. faction. BWO, Blue Meanie, baby. Uh, not that the BWO was, like, necessarily controversial or anything, but just because, you know, the BWO were a parody group. So. <laughs> It's it's like he he moved from a parody that was out there to be funny to a group that again was really a parody group. It's just they were parodying something outside of wrestling, and he and he played the role super serious instead. So, so Joe, which of these two did you like better, the main event mafia or Fortune? (laughs) I like Fortune better personally. So. Yeah, they both equally suck in the aspect being that while they had really good people in them, the whole purpose of the factions were pretty stupid. I mean, it wasn't. Neither of them were. I, I, they did have pretty good people in both of them. I will, I will give them that for sure. Can I pick the aces of eights? Okay. <laughs> I liked for I liked Fortune because I liked all the guys that were in Fortune. Like, I mean, we we see them. We see them in the in the woo off. That's who's in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a toss up on that. Maybe I give a little bit to to Fortune and not Event Mafia, but you know I'm a big Sting guy too, so it was kind of. I just 
wanted to throw some TNA out there because I thought it was th- those ones were kind of neat. They were. And, you know, the, the funny part is aces and A's actually weren't a bad idea. I just mm-hmm. don't think all of it was played done right properly and, and done. Yes, done properly because they had guys in there that should have been elevated to be those guys that should have been holding belts, but it didn't mm-hmm. happen that way. There were some good things that they did do, you know, for a while, but uh, there was a point where some of them, they just, yeah, they just made it a little bit too stale and they didn't, they went in a bad direction. Even if, Go ahead, go ahead, Jeremy. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Even though, well, no, I was going to, if you were going to still talk about TNA, I was going to no, no, throw no. something else out there. I was going to say, so technically, even though the Dudleys were a tag team, they had Sign Guy Dudley, they had Gertner, they had Big Dick Dudley. What did we consider them? Yeah, I was considering them a faction in ECW. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. The Dudley family. Yeah, the Dudley, the Dudley family. and Spike even, too. Yeah, so, yeah. Dudley. They had enough to be considered a, a faction. Was the Street Edge Society considered a yes. faction? I was going to bring them up. I was going to bring up. They were my favorite. That was my favorite thing that CM Punk did was in the Straight Edge Society. To this day, I, that's my favorite thing that CM Punk did was the Straight Edge Society. I loved it. It was good. Yep. I definitely liked okay. it. So that was still considered a faction. I wasn't sure because it was only three. There was only three one, of them. One, yeah, and one of yeah, them was a woman, so it was a kind of a weird faction considering what we yeah, what we defined as faction. That was no. punk, gallows, and gallows. Look, gallows trying to look like an idiot. No, there was there was wasn't there four? Because wasn't Joey Mercury part of it at one point? He was. Ah, uh, yeah, at the later end, I think he was. Yeah, yeah. towards the, yeah, I remember him being there towards the end. Yeah, I really liked them. Like that's one of those like. That's my oddball faction that I, I really, really liked. Like, they're um, written down on my list. Nice. Yeah, they're definitely cool. the uh the Heart Foundation yet. Yes, the, when they were the heels. Yeah. Right, and yeah. Yeah, I was yes. going to say, the Heart Foundation, yep. when they were, like, all like all about Canada, we hate yes. America, right? Yes. Fabulous. Yeah, the 1997 Heart Foundation, which was, you know, Brett, Owen, Bulldog, Anvil, and, and Pillman. Fabulous. Uh, and, yeah, it was great because, you know, Brett finally was able to, like, just kind of let loose on the mic. And, you know, he gave really gave some of his best promos then. And, you know, there was a time there again where, like, you know, he was the world champion. Owen and Bulldog had the tag belts at one point. Uh, I think Owen or Bulldog also had the European title for whatever that was worth. And it's kind of funny that because, you know, we, we talk about DX and everything. It's kind of funny that, you know, the Hart Foundation were a heel group. But when DX became a thing, they were too. So it was like a heel group, you know, arose because they were fighting with another heel group. I don't know if that's ever, I don't know if that's ever really happened other than maybe like when the original, you know, nation split off and, you know, crush formed the DOA and. Oh my Lord. Oh, the nation of domination had another one there too. Yeah. And, and Savio Vega formed, you know, Los Bariquas. I think, <laughs> the DOA, the DOA and, and, and Los Bariquas and also really um uh what was it? The um it was DOA it was the Disciples of Apocalypse, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There was Disciples the, of Terribleness. <laughs> yeah, but like in there were like four other than like the Heart in ninety seven, other than like the Heart Foundation, 
and DX, there were like four groups. There was the Nation, there was the DOA, there was the Bariquas, and there was the other one. Um, it, it's escaping me now. Um, wasn't the LWO, was it? No, it was in WWF. No, WWF. Wow. Um, oh, the Truth Commission. Oh, the Truth. They were uh, bad. Yes. They were I terrible. Don't even re- really remember the Truth Jackal Commission. Jackal and Kurgan. Yes, yeah, Kurgan. Yeah, Before but, he was an oddity. <laughs> right, and it's like it was supposed to be like a commentary on like the the South African Truth Commissions that like after like apartheid ended and everything, but like. What, what, what I was trying to get to is that DOA, Los Bariquas, and the Truth Commission were all the kind of the, for me, like kind of like the definitions of like those groups that didn't really have anybody who could talk. Like Crush wasn't a great promo, but neither were any. No, great, you're right. Like, they sucked but, on the mic, all of them. Savio Vega and the Bariquas weren't good. None of the guys in the Truth Commission were good, except Don Callis became good, but I don't really think Don Callis right. when he was until he went to ECW. Right, he, when he was Jackal then, yeah. So it's like it's like those 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 are the like the uh, like the factions that I was thinking. I was like, you know, they might have been together for a little while and everything, but ultimately they didn't work because they didn't have anybody who could really connect with the audience in a way that um, you know made, made them hate them or cheer for them. So. What, was it Kurgan? Was he Corporal Kurgan in that? No, I can't remember. Because it was just Kurgan. He had like a title attached to his name. I think it was the interrogator. I'm going to look that up, though, because... I just remember he had a... Didn't he have a, he had a beret and, yes. like, a military yes. suit? It was Oh, terrible. my Lord. It was so <laughs> bad. <laughs> so bad. They all wore berets. Bad. And, and just like, bad. Yeah. Kurgan, Kurgan was in two of the worst factions ever. Not He doesn't even get credited for one. He was in two. That's <laughs> yeah, horrible. <laughs> It, it That's was, the list you don't want to appear on, Kurgan. That one, twice. Yeah. So it it was it was Kurgan the interrogator. <laughs> the interrogator. <laughs> it was it was recon. That was Bull Buchanan. Oh my lord! Him being recon. Yeah, uh, sniper. Who was a guy named uh, uh, Luke Poirier? Who? Who? So. <laughs> That was the biggest he ever got, and then it was you know Don Callis as the Jackal. So that so was Bull Buchanan was in the Truth Commission, right to censor, and then he was B two with John Cena or B squared with John Cena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and in between them, they had also like put him with like the Boss Man. <laughs> Bull Buchanan, and I don't mean to knock the guy, but it's like he might be like at the very top of the list of like you know. How many failed gimmicks in WWE? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could say he had a little bit of success with Right to Censor, but he did. For the most Still. part, it was constantly like, "Well, let's find a way to repackage this guy." And all I can, all just... I can picture is him at the end of Cena's promos going, "Booyah!" <laughs> <laughs> just... And then Cena just kicked his ass, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... speaking of Canada, we can go back to TNA for Team Canada. That was oh, a good Team Canada was awesome. I loved Team Canada back in the day. Jared was my favorite character in that in that group. Jared, he was my favorite character. Him, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, <laughs> um, Canadian Destroyer, uh, Petey yeah, Williams. Petey Williams was in there, and Scott there was Demore. no Jared. There Scott was no Demore. Jared. <laughs> 
they're um but yeah that's just it like team canon when you think about it yeah they launched uh you know pd williams bobby Roode, and eric young have all had pretty successful careers so did you what was not the guy to, that looked like jared though what was his name scott demore scott demore yeah, thank you yeah. did, did you see not the did you see the thing with mjf with kurt hawkins oh my gosh if you didn't see that joe he like kurt, kurt hawkins is Un- unpackaging like the AEW ring and MJF wow. walks in. He's like, Oh, are you still playing with toys? How old are you? Oh, and he says like something he, he, at the end, he's like, tell that, tell that Scott Demore guy I said hi. And then he's like, I'm just fucking kidding with you. Tell him to throw my fucking number away. <laughs> MJF touches a mic right now. It's priceless, basically. Well, isn't it also a knock on Impact? Because isn't Scott Demore one of Impact's bookers? Yes, he is, one hundred percent. Because I watched some other thing too, where MJF was cooking mushrooms and drinking margaritas with Brandy. Fucking comedy. Yeah, but yeah, Team Canada was good. I like Team they were Canada. Cool. They had there was one guy. In, uh, what was his Ace? Was it Ace or Big they had a? a? Big, the big goon guy. Yeah, what was yeah. his name? Big A or or Ace or something like that or Yeah, something like that. I don't remember off the top. But of uh he was A1. Oh, A1. Yeah, A1. Yeah. I knew A1. it had an A. A1 steak sauce. <laughs> Come on. That's how memorable that guy was. Like he literally was just like like AJ said, the big goon. Like he was the goon. Like <laughs> Yeah. He 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 didn't last after Team Canada. He was like kind of gone. <laughs> Like, where'd no. he go? Oh, yeah, he stank. That's right. <laughs> Bring up some dark ones. We could do the brood and the ministry. Come on yes. now. <laughs> yeah. See, the sad thing is, is like, I got I got to talk about the brood. You're going to talk about the brood. I got I got to say, I. <sighs> I hated the brood, to be honest with you, because I hated Gangrel. Right. I the, did. Like, those guys. I liked Gangrel. I, I, he was the one, like, guy who was, like, a goth wrestler i just i couldn't stand that guy i liked his music too i liked gangrel's music so yeah, for the gang the gangrel cool music and then their entrance was pretty cool too because it was unique go that ahead was, jeremy sorry y'all are a bunch of jerk offs all right i was gonna talk and y'all talked over me go Anyways. ahead um <laughs> so joe um <laughs> but no i like i don't i'm so I'm torn with the brood because I I enjoy Gangrel's gimmick. He wasn't the greatest mic guy or, you know, best in ring, but I liked the gimmick itself because like Joe, I like vampire stuff. I think vampire stuff is really cool. Yep. Was he the right guy for that gimmick to be the no. leader of the brood? Not necessarily, but no, they, they I also... really like the gimmick. I like how they came up. Uh, how he came to the ring, you know, coming yeah. up through the floor. I thought that was cool. The, sh- the, you know, the whole presence about that. And then you threw in uh, Edge and Christian into it, and you know they came became the brood. And I thought it was really cool. And then you let them talk because yeah. they had learned any mic skills. And was like, oh my, then it was God, over. It's even worse. Yeah, they were bad. <laughs> that yeah. then that... they got out of the brood and were themselves. And it's like these guys are freaking money. Totally. Like they're which. The switch got flipped up, the, and then it was the, off for the races. The brood might be one of the worst. They might they're up in that discussion for worst factions on the mic. They're right in the middle of that discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. But what's the uh, the brood or the new brood? There's a new brood. What? Yeah, so when, uh, after Edge and Christian left Gangrel, uh, he uh, recruited the Hardys. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was bad. That was bad. It, didn't, it didn't last long, but it was. But it happened. That's why I didn't yeah. remember it. That was that. Bad. <laughs> it was that. It was so <laughs> memorable. Very bad. Very bad. But yeah, so there was. I mean, there's, there's, there's been some. There's been a lot more stinker factions than there have been good factions. Um, the, infor- the unfortunate thing, because when you're trying to put four people together, sometimes three people for a faction, it, it it's. It's just one of those things where it's you got to have the right people. If you don't have the right people, you're not going to get them over. And you always at least got to have that one real good mic piece to be able to get the other two guys over because he's already probably over if he's that good on yeah. the mic. So they you also kind of have the uh, I don't really call it a faction. It's, it's like on paper, it's a faction, but it's not really a faction because we've never really seen them. You have the four horsewomen who potentially can be they're not we've never really seen them be that but they call themselves that so like they are like are they a faction on paper or like we've we've never really seen them be a faction but they call themselves that all the time so yeah that's a that's treading that's treading the line very closely because they i just wanted to bring it up because it it is kind of like treading the line Mm -hmm. no no good point because it's kind of like those four came up together in nxt so that's what they called themselves so it's kind of like, you know, once again, WWE will probably do something like that five years from now when it's way past the time right. for them to do that. Exactly. Unfortunately. Um, but that could be something with all. Well, it all depends if Becky Lynch does come back to pro wrestling as well. But that is that is a faction mm-hmm. that could have had some light um, a year ago, two years ago. You know, especially when Ronda came right, in, right? Right, for she sure. Had her, her, her four horsewomen of MAA, MMA per se. You know, those two kind of going at it. There could have been some story there, but it's well, uh it's one of those the ball. stories. They dropped the ball on that one. The the, the big thing is that we got to keep in mind about that is as cool as it would have been and as to see that happen. The problem is, is that at the time when they were coming up through NXT and, and coming up to the main roster, who the hell were they going to fight if they were the four horsewomen? Like, honestly, like there wasn't well, enough just, talent to spread around well, to just, say, okay, we got these other people that if we keep these four together, yeah, they, they can fight just, these people. But they could have just done that, just done it with Ronda's girls. They they wouldn't oh, have had to be a faction. Jeremy, they could have come up and whooped shit out of the, the, the Bella Twins. That would have been spectacular. Fact, yeah, fuck yeah, it would have been. <laughs> the Bellas, I mean, you know, you still had, like, um, Paige was still there at the time on the main roster. Yeah, I mean, the Bellas, Paige, um, there was some other people that were still kind of there. It would have been that great, though, of a run. I, if they would have done I believe. They Alicia Fox in there. That would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> I am of the belief, Joe, that the four horsewomen versus the four horsewomen didn't happen because the other two of Rhonda's girls are very green and they've never really figured it out. So Yeah, they didn't. I don't think they it's clicked. It's not clicking for them like they thought it would for them, for them so, to be moving I think up they, and, and doing they, more. I think that they avoided it because I think that they were afraid of the disaster if they tried to put the especially the one that looks like she strung out on crack or whatever. She, I think that they were afraid (laughs) she was going (laughs) to, she was going to be a disaster on the main roster. Yeah. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling like it is. So she was the one that was the worst of the four by far. How AJ sees it. She could be a crack whore. (laughs) (laughs) 
Her and Lita. Her and Lita. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Evidently, he's going back to the ECW days yes. when they counted yes. her about yes. being a crack whore. Yeah. Not actually yeah. her actually being a no. crack whore. Because yeah. Lita is... Yeah, yeah, we also... <laughs> I guess we could... Duper. We, we didn't talk about the Wyatt family either. Yeah. yeah. I mean... It's the Wyatt family. My biggest issue with the Wyatt family, and I always loved the Wyatt family, was... They always lost. Yeah, they didn't they do did. and they they didn't. It, it became hard to take them seriously after a while, so they 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 had to basically, you know, they were break them up and everything. They were okay to me just because the first time Nicole saw them, she's like, "Wow, this is like the faction you and Joe and Jeremy had." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they never knew what to do with Luke Harper. I feel like. Like Luke Harper, both of them was really Rowan. Rowan sucked, so it didn't matter what they did with him. They they I, should I never... have been tag champions, though. Like, I mean, except for you when have they were Bray Wyatt, who yeah, they have Bray Wyatt who can talk. So, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't have a, at least a decent run with the tag titles. I think their worst incarnation of Harper and. Uh, Rowan oh, was when they were the what the bash the the oh, bashums or whatever bludgeon, the bludgeon brothers. the bludgeon brothers <laughs> they came came down Awful. with those giant hammers <laughs> awfulness <laughs> at that point technically they weren't part of the Wyatt family anymore because there wasn't right a but I mean it was just like come on like <laughs> the Bumble really? brothers they were awful. Uh, like man. this, like this gimmick is we, like we were. I really felt like we were going back to the the nineteen ninety two, ninety three. Where's the dumpster drossy when we like, need it? Like what the hell are we doing here? Like the this bushwhackers. is just you know. <laughs> so, ay ay ay. So anything. I just. I figured. That, I just figured that. we. The Wyatt family at least deserved to be brought up. They did have a yeah. really good, a, a, a decent feud with the Shield. I will say that yeah, they, yeah, there they was did. a pretty good feud there. So, and Bray is clearly the the ray of hope out of that group to me. I, I Strowman, enough said. But well, see, <laughs> I still don't think they know what to do with him as far as in ring and who do they have him fight because it, it's it's not like the Undertaker. Like the Undertaker, I know you're not a big fan of him, AJ, but the Undertaker at least was a believable enough character to have him in the ring consistently fighting people. You know, fighting the the undead. You know, somebody's fighting the undead guy. Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt is just like I don't get. Like I get his gimmick. I guess I kind of get it. With uh, he's absolutely insane now, even more than he and was before with his character. He's unstoppable. He can take fifteen finishers and kick out. You know, but yeah. I just I don't. Who do they put him in a feud with? It doesn't. There's nobody that that makes sense to put him in a feud with. Like other than Strowman. Well, it's, yeah, like up, up to this point, he's always been targeting people who, like, you know, wronged him in in, in, the, in the past, which basically meant just, like, going back after people who he, you know, feuded with at, at, at one point or another. Yeah. Um, like, the only one that I don't think he's ever really done a full thing with like that since he's... Uh, since he's been the fiend is Daniel Bryan. Um, at least not anything that like lasted very long, but Bryan's. Well, I mean, he, he definitely fought Daniel Bryan and had a feud with him. All right. But it's like, it ha- it didn't really have like the same. I, I, it really felt like they, like they kind of like left that hanging. No, they did. They, it, it, it wasn't. 
it, it, it wasn't didn't have the the ending that it should have had. Yeah, like like when well like like when he, he he did his thing with like Kane or with Jerry Lawler or with Cena, then it's like there was like definitely like a kind of like a, like a finality point. Yeah. To those, um, <clears throat> I really do still legitimately wonder if Cena will ever come back. To be quite honest, so. Yet to be seen. To be determined. If Cena does come back, it, it's it's got to build off of that. You know the the Firefly match and everything, you know, the the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania. So we'll see, but um, yeah, it's like there's always been like a sense of finality, and I think they're maybe trying, hopefully, building through that with Strowman. Um, I guess you could argue he didn't quite really get that with uh, with Seth either, but you know they I think they sensed that the audience was turning on Seth and that they had to turn him heel. Uh, I think obviously the other big thing too is that I, I think they were probably intending to do a, a program a full program with him and in roman but that's off until roman's comfortable coming back too so but you yeah. you're yeah. the way that they have wine right now it does get increasingly difficult for him to have somebody to to work against being and um there's yeah like right now the way the roster is constructed there's I, like let's let's say like yeah his feud with Strowman ends today you know just there really isn't anybody that's out there who I think he could really what's he supposed to do start wrestling Big E start wrestling Nakamura start wrestling Styles I mean none of those really makes a lot of sense for various reasons so well no. just it's just further um boy oh boy further proof that WWE doesn't know what to do with a lot of their talent they just they have no fucking clue like they're just like oh and well, it's, it's we'll just have you do like skits for the next three months and then we'll figure something out for you okay it's just, yeah it sounds good right yeah it's permeated yeah. it's permeated to nxt now and i didn't want it to do that and now it's permeated to nxt hence why adam cole's fighting pat mcafee so uh, what a fucking train wreck it's permeated to there where i didn't want nxt to be worried about the mainstream and now they're oh we gotta we gotta get to the mainstream hey vince it didn't matter whether Pat McAfee was on your show the other night or not. You guys got smoked in the ratings. So don't bring this tool on here and give him a fucking match. I don't know what the fuck he's done to get a match at a takeover. Like, whose dick is he sucking, right? I I just don't get it. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, he's a good punter. He has a good <laughs> podcast with his guys. You know, um, they got a deal with, um, oh, shit, who was it? They got a sponsorship deal. And he went and he did a good thing. It was like um, he went and gave like each one of his guys uh, twenty five thousand dollars in cash that he has on the show um, for him. Um, yeah, I can't remember the damn place that gave him a sponsorship. I forget. I, anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, he does good shit outside, but this whole thing with the whole wrestling thing, I think he's just a wrestling fan junkie. And whatever like these these this this thing that's going on between him and you know Adam Cole in the past year or two years and all that shit. They're just they're feeding off of it now because they don't really have anything else to fucking do. Well, and they're gonna let when, a celebrity when... once again. Here we go. We're gonna have a celebrity in some fashion on a professional wrestling show in a goddamn fucking match. Well, that's what Vince does when he gets scared. When he gets worried, he starts bringing in celebrities. Like that's the cure all for his he, he ratings <laughs> for his waiting <laughs> uh, ratings woes. Like oh, just bring in celebrities. And, and it work. didn't because I think they're I don't know if their ratings dropped, but they got. They got beat by over two hundred thousand viewers. 
Um, no, nah, it was it was Monday. it was like nah, it was like nine oh one to like seven fifty one, so it was like one hundred and sixty thousand viewers. Okay, okay, Mr. 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 Exact over here, <laughs> so close enough to two hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but it was like one fifty. AJ's got to be two, two, two. You don't round one sixty up to two hundred, do you, Pat? Say that again. You you don't round one sixty up to two hundred. He's about to get mute, Jeremy. I'm about to mute him. <laughs> if those are if those are the parameters, I suppose you would have to. But oh, uh, okay. Thank you, Pat. I mean, that's that's a that's a that's a very high round too. So. Well, we like to use bigger rounds to make WWE <laughs> look ridiculous. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yes, it wasn't. If we can make WWE look ridiculous, maybe one day they'll listen to this podcast and be like, yeah, those four guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But anyways, um, (laughs) WWE were to ever listen to this podcast, I would really be concerned that they have too much time on their hands. (laughs) It must be that boring. Maybe we can promote uh, AJ to be a writer. We'll be like, uh, take AJ as a writer. He'll help you out. You know. <laughs> I mean, we know that anybody AJ's it, dream job. Anybody can help them at this point. <laughs> but does AJ know how to write uh, A plus Hollywood dialogue? Because that's the only kind of writer that they need. I know, right? Because that's <laughs> apparently what the promos need to be. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's all. Thank you to Stephanie McMahon. Thank you, Stephanie, for ruining writers in their ability to actually produce a good show. So thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's move on. I, I, I think we. It's it's uh it's time for a stumper. Uh oh. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Let's go on to the stumper. I'm ready not uh, to be able to answer it. <laughs> it's time for a stumper question of the evening. All right. <sighs> I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the members of the stable once known as Jersey Triad? Jer- what? <laughs> I swear he makes this shit up. Like it's Jersey not, Triad. <laughs> it's not made up. <laughs> like we I, don't, got, we got, I don't even know if I've ever heard of them. So Pat's licking his chops. Like he might actually have heard of Jersey Triad. (laughs) He's like, oh yeah, it was from 1982. Um, It really (laughs) weren't from Jersey. Um. (laughs) One of the members technically is from Jersey. Okay. (laughs) All right. Yes, I think he is. Either that or Pat's just like, are you chewing on a cough drop, Pat? Ice cubes. Joe, what? Okay. What, like, wrestling, like, Mm-hmm. I've never was, heard of him. So, like, what wrestling organization I, were they part of? I, I will give you a clue. Okay. The one guy's finisher has been used by multiple people. And there is a current wrestler who uses his finishing move in his own version. <laughs> I, I just I just want to butt in real quickly, unfortunately. Uh-huh. <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. And say, I know the answer. I'm just waiting. Well, I don't know right. it, Pat. So. And neither. I have no fucking clue. Would you just go uh, with you? Tell us the answer there, buddy. Uh, you guys have a choice. I mean, you guys can come up with guesses. I just, I didn't want to step in your toes. Okay, so. Ringo Starr, um, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, that was the Liverpool triad. <laughs> uh, hey, I work hard for these, these stumper questions, okay? I see, see that. <laughs> 
The uh, the Jersey Triad was a group that suddenly came to be in 1999. Did you Google this, you fucker? <laughs> Did you just Google this? I see you looking at your fucking computer monitor. Or nope. looking at something. My okay. hands been through the whole time. I haven't typed okay. in it. All right, you're fine. <laughs> his hands have been in his pockets. <laughs> Actually, I had one hand in my pocket and the other was giving a peace sign. <laughs> what about a thumbs up? WCW, for whatever reason, after building him up as the new hot baby face for over two years, they turned yep heel, and he hooked up with the late great Bam Bam Bigelow and the late great Chris Canyon, and they became the Jersey Triad, and they started wrestling as a tag team. Like the Freebirds under the Freebird rule, I think they won the tag belts a few times, but it just mm. never made sense to me as to why they turned Page heel when they did. And they were around for a couple of months, but I think uh, what ultimately ended it was um, might have been when they did the big reset then in 2000 when yeah. like Ruth and Bischoff came back. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, so it was, it was DDP, uh, you know, Bigelow and, yeah, and Canyon. Now, you know, Bam Bam, we know, was from Jersey. Uh, Paige was originally from Jersey, too. I, I never really knew if Canyon was truly Jersey or not. But as somebody who was born in Jersey and lived there, you know, for the first few years of his life and still has plenty of family who lives in Jersey, bragging that you're from Jersey is... Not to, something you want to do. <laughs> is, is to steal a line from an SNL sketch with Ray Romano. It's like the fat girl waving her trophy from the smelling contest. <laughs> it's just, you, you, don't, you don't brag that you come from Jersey. Because guess what? Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> it's like bragging that you're from Jersey is like, you know, in like you said, ever since that show was on the air, it's like as if trying to tell, you know convince people that you're like in the Sopranos or something. It's it, it's fucking. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So, so that, was uh, yep. that was good, Joe. I I didn't I had no idea, but I the the person that people that made the question, the person that got it are WCW people. I'm not, and I definitely probably wasn't watching it then. So. I, I, I was still watching a little tiny bit in, in 99, so I, that's why I did I it. And, and like I said, I was I also remembered it because I was, quite frankly, pretty pissed off that they turned DDP heel. I thought it made no sense. Yeah. It didn't. It was pretty stupid. They, I mean, they built him up with so much you know, audience goodwill. They finally put the world title on him, and then it's like, oh, let's turn him heel. What? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was a craziness back then. Yeah, I definitely was. I can I can say I never watched WCW when it was going on. I only ever watched WWE, WWF, you know, at the time. So I, there was no way I was going to get that one. <laughs> I mean, normally I don't get them anyways, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I, I think that was a pretty good uh, stumper question, Joe. Oh, yeah. I think it, it very well fit in with the theme of the podcast tonight. So yep. Well, so I try to do. Yep. Yep. Well done. You get you get a star. You a star for you, Joseph. <laughs> yes, guys. Thank you. Maybe, maybe next time, Joe, we should ask Jeremy who was in Harlem Heat two thousand. <laughs> Wouldn't know that either. So, <laughs> Jeremy, who was in regular Harlem Heat? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, come on. That was Stevie Ray. And okay. also just making brother. sure. What was Booker his brother's T. name? Okay, Booker there we go. Just making sure. Not Booker. Booker T. <laughs> Booker. Booker T. Just, just for reference, Jeremy, Harlem Heat 2000 was Stevie Ray and Big T. And Big T was the former Ahmed Johnson who, oh. had, about, who had gained about two small children. <laughs> gained about two small children. Jeez. Well, he was that much fatter. And then he... <laughs> He yeah. did the Grand River Plunge instead of the Pearl River Plunge. <laughs> the Grand River Plunge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> oh, boy. We're, uh, we're all going to hell. Um, <laughs> so My ticket's been time, punched. Yeah. <laughs> my ticket was punched before I turned 21. Yes, okay. me too. So, so some might argue we're already there. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a yeah. possibility as well. So let's us uh, move on, and thank you, Joe, for that great stumper. Um, if anybody in our listening audience was able to get that, fantastic for you. Um, I suck. Um, so we are going to move on to our end of our show, which now includes, well, as always included. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's getting it's too it's getting too late, and I'm too damn tired. Um, we're moving on to Mount Rushmore. There we oh, yeah. go. It's time for Mount Rushmore. And this Mount Rushmore, this week's Mount Rushmore, is completely based on factions. We are going to list our favorite faction of all time to go on Mount Rushmore. And I'll start this one off. All right. Since uh, I'm going to probably take one of the most obvious factions of all time, since I am a WWE guy, I am going to go with. RMB? Yes. No. Absolutely not. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> if I was to put three three MB on there, I should be kicked off the podcast. Um, <laughs> Let's be honest, did any of us ever expect two members of three MB to become world champions? Hmm, no. Um, <laughs> I am going to go with Degeneration X. Um, just two words. Seeing, yeah, two words. Um. It was crazy how they started off because you wouldn't have thought they were a faction to start off with because it was – yes, they had three people, but one of those people didn't do anything. It was China. Like she was just kind of there as like the bodyguard. I guess she was – I guess Pretty much, point. yeah. She was the bodyguard. Um, and I mean her role started off as when Triple H was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. She was his limo driver or some shit like that. So she went from a limo driver to being a bodyguard, um, which rightfully fit her character because of how ridiculously muscular she was um, for even a guy, you know. <laughs> um, you know, so she fit right into that role of a bodyguard. But it was him and Shawn Michaels, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and they were considered a faction. And it wasn't until uh, they finally got the tag team, which was the New Age Outlaws, yep. with which was the Road Dog and Billy Gunn. And then eventually, when X Pac came over from WCW, they brought X Pac into it. And then they, and that's when I believe Shawn Michaels was actually gone. Yes. And, 
So they needed yeah. a fourth guy to make it a, uh, in our in our opinion, of course, a legitimate faction because uh, you had the mid Carter, you had the main eventer, and you had the tag team, um, and they had one of the most memorable pro, uh, promos all, uh, from, of all time in WWE history, which was <laughs> which we know they can never do ever again um, because <laughs> everybody but China was in blackface. Um, you know, <laughs> actually, I don't think. I think uh, Triple H just had bronzer on. I think he just had his tanner on. So I think, you know, I think he'd be, he was okay. But I mean, you had X Pac who was dressed up like Mark Henry called Mizark Henry. And I mean, he was, they, they, I think they just painted him in black paint. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> and you had the road dog being below. He was, and he was slightly dark. Um, and then you had, um, Billy Gunn, who was dressed up as the Godfather, um, who was he was slightly darker than what he was supposed to be too. But that promo, just for the pure, just for pure entertainment, regardless of you know how they were dressed, and was absolutely awesome. It was a great promo. You know, Triple H is the the croc, you know, and he's. Do you smell what the croc is cooking? He's like, I smell what the croc is cooking. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> like the the promo was just really good, like all around. And uh, the road dog being below and getting up on the ropes and shaking his head every five seconds and repeating everything that the croc said. You know, it was just it was really good. And the fact that they didn't have try and have China do anything was good. They had some random yeah. dude be um, Jason Jason sensation was Owen Hart oh it was Jason sensation okay yeah. I didn't know who it was I thought it was just some random guy that they were like oh this guy can talk on the mic <laughs> um but yeah he was Owen Hart and it was funny because I was re-watching that promo with my wife and she's like who the hell is he supposed to be I was like he's supposed to be Owen Hart she's like did he really have caution tape on his I was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah Owen's Hart outfit at that time had caution it said yeah. caution like and an X on the front, <laughs> like, yeah, but it was just ridiculous. But I mean, if you look at factions, how Degeneration X has been able to stick around, come back periodically um, with different uh, it, different people coming back at different times. You know, usually it's Shawn Michaels and Triple H because those were the most popular guys in that, um, you know, and like Matt. And I'm sorry, like AJ said, they probably they have sold the most merchandise over time out of any faction or any their highest selling merchants people because of they have staying power because people enjoyed them because of what they did, even when they came back. um, And it was just Triple H and Shawn Michaels and they were making fun of Shane and, and Vince and, you know. Shawn Michaels is running around the ring like a chicken with his head cut off. And, you know, Triple H yells at him, shut up, you know, and he falls down on the ground and they dump the fake poo on top of uh, (laughs) the spirit squad and uh, and Vince. And just they did a lot of fun stuff and they really did change the game for WWE to be able to compete in the ratings. Vince loves the cock. They did that, too. (laughs) Vince loves the cock, you know, but I mean, they, they changed the game for WWE. I mean, they invade WCW where they yeah. are, do the invasion thing and they couldn't get in. I mean, they, they rolled up in a tank. I mean, come on. 
that was cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. At, the, that, that at the time, cool. that was very, very cool when they did that. So, I mean, they just did a lot of different things. I mean, one of my favorite things uh, is the interview that they do. And Shawn Michaels is like, I was up all night. <laughs> and it's just goofy things like that. And the Sergeant and the, Slaughter thing. The Sergeant Slaughter thing, for sure. They got the windshield wipers on the shields because they're having him spit on them and stuff like that. Just... You know, and then comedy, and they were, and they were heels. That's the funny thing. Like they were heels, and they were comic, and they were fun to watch. Just it made wrestling fun again. You know, especially because The Rock was coming into his own too at that time. So you had a lot of fun things to watch and, and bad guys to to hate at the same yeah. time. And, and they won belts. They won belts, and you know they were well represented too. So, so yeah. I throw DX up up there on tonight's Mount Rushmore, Darth Pat. Who do you throw up on Mount Rushmore? Well, real quick, I also just wanted to add, I mean, it's it's kind of lesser known than the uh, the Nation one, but they also later that same year, they did the uh, uh, promo mocking the uh, the corporation where Triple H reprised his role as The Rock. X-Pac did Ken Shamrock. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I remember that one now. <laughs> Road, Dog did, Road Dog did Vince. Billy Gunn did Shane. And uh, China did big boss man in the sense that she started twirling a nightstick around and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think they brought Jason sensation back to do Shawn Michaels because Michaels had become the commissioner and aligned himself with the corporation. That now, one was funny. Also that one didn't have the blackface, but it did have the use of, uh, you know, little people uh, who were supposed to be Patterson and Briscoe. And they, were, <laughs> they were like, Attached to like Road Dog's ass as if they're really kissing his ass and everything. So. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't quite as good as the Nation one, and was also again something that you couldn't do today because you can't use you know little people like that. Uh, but it, it, it still it still had his moments because I think that's also where uh, Xbox going the phrase it's five knuckle shuffle time uh, yes. about Shamrock, and I think uh, Triple H is the Rock said something about like. The croc thinks Kenny should switch to decaf or something. Like that. <laughs> I was like, they, oh. they definitely pushed the limits, and and, and oh, they pushed the limits a lot. They, they one hundred percent pushed the limits, probably more than anybody we've like. They especially when they first started, they were definitely pushing the limits with their promos and their penis jokes and stuff. It was it was oh, like, yeah. <laughs> They were crossing that line multiple times. Every week they were crossing the line. They were doing it as much as they could get away with. Yep. Yep. All right, Darth Pat, who do you put up on Mount Rushmore? For me, probably not much of a surprise. It's the NWO. Okay. Uh, And the reason, (laughs) we've really talked about a lot of the reasons already, but to me the main reason was is because it gave Hulk Hogan like a really like like a, a second run to his career, really, because mm-hmm. he was getting booed. There's just that. I mean, maybe that was because he was in WCW instead of WWF, um, but he was definitely getting booed. And and the, the the act had just worn thin after a decade, basically, of, you know, the mm. the red and yellow, you know, train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, believe in yourself, you know, shtick. Uh, yeah, like they've always said, like, you know, originally it was going to be staying or somebody else, and it just it just wouldn't have worked any other way. But 
And as much as like some people want to criticize the NWO in retrospect, and obviously it's easy to do that because it did become overblown. It did become way too many guys, uh, and it just got way out of hand. That's you know, that's not the fault of the faction itself. That's the fault of the people booking it. But if the NWO hadn't happened, you know, if it hadn't been a thing, would there have really been a long-lasting Monday Night War? How long? Yes, Nitro and Raw were like trading, you know, ratings, victories back and forth for a while and everything. But that really had more to do with the fact that Raw was getting increasingly bad, more so than that WCW was getting increasingly good in a lot of ways. WCW was doing some new things with Nitro, especially with the cruiserweights. But they needed really that thing that was going to really draw the eyeballs. And obviously the NWO was was the thing that, that did that. Um, so it just, it really did create the sense that something was going to happen. And then there was like the unpredictability factor too with it was like, oh my God, who's going to join the NWO now? It's like, oh my God, the Giants joining the NWO? Oh my God, Ted DiBiase is there now? Oh, <laughs> the one, two, the one, two, three kids there now. Oh my God. Their whole roster joined the NWO. <laughs> it got out of hand, but again, at first it really was like, it's like, you know, okay, who's, who, who's going to be, who's going to join them next? You know, like, you know, even some of like the lesser guys, it was still like, you know, it gave Buff Bagwell, uh, uh really like a second, not to say that his first run was bad because he was tag team champion a bunch of times, but it gave him a new dimension to work with, and it really did make him a bigger name. Uh, Scott Steiner became Big Papa Pump because he joined yeah. the NWO. So it, it did lead to some some people who had been there being able to do you know new things and everything. Again, obviously, it went on way too long. Uh, the the bit, one of the biggest problems, of course, was when they tried to do the split, which was really fairly logical considering what had been going on, was that the guys, some of the guys who were involved in it kept getting hurt, so there was never any payoff to that. You know, there, there never was like a big like NWO black and white versus NWO wolf pack. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, war to settle the score, if you will. So, um, but again, while every group, I think, really does owe their existence to, to the horsemen, um, I just feel like the NWO was on a different level because they did have a, a much bigger impact on a, on a national level and in a way that really hadn't been seen before. The horsemen just, as good as they were, never had that much of an impact because there was never a time where the horsemen was when either in one of their best groups or in their prime where they were like chief in the landscape, I guess you could say, because they weren't WWF and they weren't when WCW was national, really. Right. And if the NWO doesn't happen and we don't get big Papa pump, then we never got the greatest math promo of all time <laughs> from him. So uh, goes down in history. <laughs> so he's not a good one. Good try. <laughs> You're right, Pat. You were right when you said it's not the faction's fault that the writers are stupid. So that just that they had a cash cow, which they figured they had to keep feeding and they didn't realize that people got tired of it. And, and there was a natural end to it, which was when Sting beat Hogan at Starcade, but they fucked that that's, up from Sunday. And that's where that that's like a microcosm of WCW to WWE. Yeah, <laughs> they ruined the NWO because they didn't know when to end it. Whereas WWE was smart with DX and they were they handled it better and that's why they the longevity was there because they got rid of it at the right time and then bring it back they brought it back occasionally to sell some t-shirts and merchandise and then they would go away they never 
So that that's that was a microcosm of those two companies. I think the NWO was a better idea overall. I just think you had the two companies and one knew what to do with one and one didn't. Right. So. And there was an interview I heard one time, I forget who it was with, but they literally said that wrestlers, because of how hot the NWO was, were literally going to management and saying, I need to be in the NWO. I need to be in it. Like just everybody was every wrestler. I don't want to say every wrestler, but any wrestler that wasn't doing something at the time was trying to get in the MWO. And it was, and they were just like, okay, okay. Okay. And they wouldn't not say no to almost anybody about being in the NWO. So it, it just got, as we all know, way, way overdone and way too big. I mean, what was there, like 20 people in NWO at some point in time? It was like crazy. They had the NWO Japan at at one point, you know, (laughs) with the great Muda and some of the other guys. So it was, you know, it expanded. Chono. Yeah, it expanded out to that. I I think the thing with them, the cool part about the three things with them is, one, this would have never worked if Hogan would have said no and Bischoff would have had had to put Sting in that position. Because it wouldn't have really worked very well with Sting, unfortunately. Um, The second thing, I mean, you have ultimate baby face turning heel. And we all saw the outcome. But the other part I thought was kind of the more, I would say groundbreaking. But something we really didn't see before is like, you have someone leaving this company that's up here. And then showing up in street clothes, just chilling in the audience. And then taking a mic and cutting a promo in, in, in the ring. And then Kevin Nash shows up. And then everyone's like, what the hell is going on? And they kind of played that whole beginning no, part yeah, that, very well. That storyline is, is, is top you know, top notch stuff. Like, we're, we're coming to invade. You want a war. You're going to get a war. And as people didn't really know, like, oh, my God, is we're going to see more WWE wrestlers show up on WCW? Or, like, what's the deal? And they, they played that whole beginning part very well. They did. Up until they did. Uh, the bash of the great beach. great writing that was great storytelling great storyline all of that was great mm-hmm. well yeah. that's also good that's also a good point too Ben, about like you know the guy who was like a top guy with wwe just all of a sudden showing up on wcw because that really had never happened before no you know? no like anytime somebody left wwe and ended up going to wcw it was like Lauren anderson going back or rick flair going back or like Rick Rude when he left, but he didn't like immediately go from WWF to WCW. There was wow. like a, a good chunk of time. Luger, Luger, Luger showing did, yeah, up. Luger saying. definitely showing up was one. Right, that was, but it was, but again, he was a guy who went back. Now, yeah, of he course, was from, you know, yeah, flip flopping. Yeah, technically, Hall and Ash were guys who were going back to WCW too. Right. But nobody remembered them from WCW. Nobody I mean, I did, but. Well, you very know, few people like did. The, very few very, people, but I remembered them. I mean, the Diamond Stud and Vinny Vegas were, yes. were not. So, no, yeah. they weren't memorable. I just liked Razor, so I remember Diamond Stud specifically because right. I liked him. All right. So, AJ, who do you throw on Mount Rushmore? Is I'm it... going to go more modern. Uh huh. Maybe something that has with... to do with your shirt? Yes. I'm going to go with Shock the System and the Undisputed Era. They've been my favorite faction since the moment they invaded NXT, per se. So I still remember the night that Adam Cole super kicked Drew McIntyre. And they've basically run that company 
for the last three years. They've been the, you know, there's other guys there that are relevant, but they've been the thing that's, that's kept that company going for the last like three years. So they've been in mm-hmm. all the war games matches. There's a lot of matches they've been in that are like NXT top 10, top 15 matches. So they're, they're, you know, they're putting on the good matches to top everything else off. So I think Cole and O'Reilly are the best mic guys they have, but the other, all of them can talk if they have to. Mm-hmm. And they did complete the undisputed prophecy and have all four belts yeah, mm-hmm. yes, they did. for four months. And it was really, really cool. That was the first episode of NXT that was on USA was when Roderick Strong won the North American championship. So they're just, I like Adam Cole a lot. So, and their, their music is cool. Everything about them is cool. There's just, there's not a lot of things you can say. Like they're that tweener group in NXT where you're allowed to root for the heels. So everybody likes undisputed because you're allowed to root for the bad guys in NXT. So they've been playing the tweener card the whole time they've been there. And Adam Cole gets the biggest pop in WWE right now. So like his, it doesn't get old seeing that for me still in person and stuff. It's still cool to see the Adam Cole baby in, in person on TV, whatever they eat that. Everybody's eating that shit up on NXT. So. I think he eats that shit up. Like he actually, I think he smiles every time he does that. Like, I think he eats it up too. But uh, He does. I, I mean, it's... <laughs> so they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're all really, they're all good wrestlers, all four of them. Like, Roderick is kind of the redheaded stepchild of the group, but he's a really good wrestler, too. He's very underappreciated guy, I think. He's that guy who's always the next guy in line, who's never going to win the world title. It's always, right, Joe? It's always been like that wherever he's been, I feel like, with Roderick. He's never quite there. <laughs> yeah, like, he's at that tipping point where he's, it's like he's, he's, he's good enough to get over the hump, but like individually on on his own it's just hasn't confrontation for him but in the tag team environment you know it's gold with him he's that guy that goes out and puts on the really good matches and yes. he's like the reliable guy that they can count on to go out and i re- i still remember at take over new orleans the night he turned on pete dunn when they were fighting mm-hmm. uh adam adam cole was had to sub in that night because fish was hurt so, yep. and Adam Cole had already wrestled in the ladder match. So they did the, you know, put Adam Cole through a table early in the match so he can just sit outside the whole time and not actually really have to wrestle. And then that was the night when, when, uh, Roderick turned and when he turned on Pete Dunn and then he like, he like steps over Pete Dunn and like walks right on him, like steps on his stomach and just walks right over him and goes and grabs the undisputed era thing, like off of Adam Cole. That was that was classic that that stuff. that was classic stuff. That's the that's why that's another reason why that takeover is my favorite takeover because nobody saw that coming, nobody. Yeah. And this is the era where everything leaks and this and that. Nobody saw that coming. The crowd was popping. Everybody was doing the yes, like because nobody saw it coming. And and it's not just me. There are a lot of wrestling fans that like surprises. They like to see stuff that they're not expecting. And that was one of those nights where they pulled it off. They got away yeah. with it. Like when Cena came back at the Royal Rumble or when Brock came back on Raw. Those moments don't happen very often. So when they do, I try to cherish them and enjoy them. When those unex- Or like when Owens won the 
undisputed belt that night or the universal title. When you don't expect it, it's 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 fun. Sometimes things that I don't necessarily want to happen happen, but if it's unexpected, I'm still like, all right, at least they did something I wasn't expecting. It, it gets boring sometimes when they do <laughs> what everybody expects. Annoying. Yeah. So I am picking the undisputed era for my Mount Rushmore. All right. That leaves Theo for last. <clears throat> Who do you got? Um, I'm going outside the United States of America. What? Okay. I am. I am. <laughs> my my faction has been around since 2013 and it's still going strong. I am picking a faction from New Japan called the Bullet Club. And everyone knows who the Bullet Club is because the guys in AEW, <laughs> a big part of them were a part of the Bullet Club at one time or another. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, uh, I... This faction's good. They're kind of, I don't want to say they're a knockoff of the NWO. They do certain things that are very similar to them, but they do it in their own way um, for the most part. Yeah, well, they can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. In New Japan, I mean, I know I still saw, I still see them sometimes do uh, the two suite over there in New Japan. Um, so I don't think Vince is really able to watch them. Uh, I, I've just, uh, I, Overall, you guys know, I, I watch a lot of different wrestling shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I still watch ROH. I still watch Impact. Um, you know, I watch it. I, I find as much stuff on New Japan as I can. I subscribe to their website uh, for a couple years, too, when they had that going, um, to watch their shows over in New Japan. Um, they, they remind me of the NWO, but they're more athletic. Uh, to me, they're more badass. And they they've kind of done the faction the proper way. Um, in regards to how a faction should be run, they've had they're on their sixth leader now, you know. So one of the things that's kind of weird is when I think it's kind of cool at the same time. So someone like, so for instance, when AJ left, AJ Styles part of the Bull Club. When he left to go to WWE, they had a tag match. He lost, and then they all kind of turned on him, jumped him, and then like you find out who the new leader of the Bullet Club is. And they kind of do that every time, for the most part. Um, right now, um, Evil, his name is Evil. He is the current leader of Bullet Club because the other guy, Jay White, is not able to travel to New Japan because of the COVID situation. Um, they've been around since 2013. You know, the original members are Bad Luck Foul. Um, t- I always screw up their names sometimes. Uh, Tama Tonga. Which he is, he he is extremely talented wrestler. Uh, I might add in regards to that. Carl Anderson is an original member, and Mr. Finn Balor, A.K.A. back then Prince Devitt, is also an original member. Those four, of the original members of the Bullet Club. Um, if you guys find matches from old Bullet Club stuff, current stuff, the matches are legitimately four plus star rating matches. There's a lot of guys in New Japan that a lot of people don't know about that are just very, very good. And, you know, they're speaking in Japan, Japanese, wherever the case may be. So I don't know how their promos are. But as far as the stories they tell in the ring, the skills those guys have in the ring, the ability they have, it's top-notch shit. It legitimately is. So here is here is the, the uh, I'll give you some former members uh, um, one of one of my guys from the undisputed era is a current was a was a member. Yes, he was a member for a year. Adam Cole was a member of the Bullet Club for a year. Um, here is here's some other people that 
I started watching while they were in New Japan and kind of started searching for him. Uh, one guy I do like uh, is Hangman Page. He was part of the Bullet Club for over two years. And some of these guys had like long stints. So, I mean, Adam Cole was for a year. AJ was for uh, almost two years. Um, Cody Kenny. was in it. Cody was in it for two years. Uh, Gallows was in it for three years. Kazarian, Hangman Page, Jeff Jarrett was in there for a year. Carl Anderson, of course. Uh, he was the third leader, original member. Kenny Omega was in it for about four years. Marty Scroll is another one, but I'm very big on Marty Scroll. Um, he's a very talented wrestler. Um, he was part of that for about a year. And then the um, Matt and Nick Jackson, they were a part of it. They were a part of that faction for almost five years, actually. Um, Nakamura? Finn Balor, uh, Nakamura. Yes, yes, Nakamura was a part of, of them. They had a bunch of part-timers, too, which just makes me laugh. But I look at that list, like Brandy Rhodes, uh, Amber <laughs> Gallows, um, Scott Demore, Stephen O'Meal from TV. Um, <laughs> it's kind of... And- it's kind of funny. I mean, in, they, in the other, they sold merchandise like Hot yeah. Topic. I bought yeah. a bunch of bull. I have so much Bullet Club stuff because of Omega and the Bucks. Like I was following the yeah. Bullet Club because Omega and the Bucks were there. Yeah. So and Hot think, Topic bought rights to that product and sold sold that product for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, Hideo Itami that was in WWE, he left. He went back to New Japan. He's now a member of you know uh, the Bullet Club. That they, I mean, there's some guys like Evil. People don't know about him. He's, he, he's, he's interesting. He's like he's he's kind of a bulky guy. He's kind of like a, a slim version of Kevin Owens, if you want to put in those manner. The guy's a bigger dude, but he can he can wrestle. Um, they just they 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 are very well known. Um, they have a current tag team. I brought this up on tag teams before. Um, Gorillas of Destiny, or they call themselves God. What I think is awesome. Um, <laughs> Tonga and Loa, they they are both uh, very very talented, uh, uh, very talented tag team. And they've they've it's kind of weird too. Like they're kind of one of those factions that have like made like smaller factions, like the Elite. They had the Elite. They had the OG alignment. Um, uh, in regards to that, but no, that's my pick. Um, the Bull Club. You know, the true hardcore wrestling fans will know. The other people will kind of semi-hear about them. But that's my pick for faction. They've done a lot, and they've won a lot of titles. I mean, they've held a crap load of titles. That's... They've they've won... Mm-hmm. They've won a bunch of awards, too, um, as far as, like, you know, the Wrestling Observer and all those other other awards that we see. So they've, they've, they have a good... Um, I mean, they... The top... A lot. 15 or the the top 15 or 20 wrestlers in the world half of them were in the bullet club at one point or another currently currently so oh yeah all right all right so just to recap our mount rushmore this week is wrestling factions and our wrestling factions that are up there are dx the nwo undisputed era and the bullet club very interesting uh, that's that's a really good it's a really good Mount Rushmore. It's actually one of our better like I, I, I like all I think all the answers are really solid on this one. So 
Very true. Very true. So that brings us to the end of our show. And we do want to once again, as always, thank everybody that's watching this on YouTube or listening. However you are catching us. Thank you for tuning in. We do greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, if we weren't recording this and we weren't putting it out for you guys, we would just be talking to ourselves. And not that that would be a bad thing, but it's more fun when we know that we can entertain other people at the same time. So I think Darth do- Pat talks to himself sometimes, but <laughs> that's a possibility. I know I talk to. <laughs> it's okay, Pat. I do sometimes too. Wait a minute. You think I talk to myself sometimes? <laughs> I was just. He's ever I, was had just I was just trying to wake him back up. I think he thought he was at WrestleMania again. I think. Uh, I think Bar- Darth Pat has had a long day, like the rest of us. Um. But uh, it's all good. He's going to do the Macarena tomorrow night. So. (laughs) That song plays. There might be one dead DJ. (laughs) Mine's the chicken dance. Don't play that song on freaking winning. I I would pay money to see Darth Pat do the electric slide. I'll tell you that right now. I can almost guarantee the chicken dance will be played because I don't think my cousin will deviate. From certain, you know, wedding traditions, that seems like one where I'm pretty sure she'll stick with it. But maybe she'll surprise me. Have fun with that, Pat. Yeah. So, once again, we're at the end of our show. Thank you, everybody, for listening, tuning in, um, you know, making this podcast what it is other than just us talking to ourselves. So, we do appreciate it. And tune in next week when we talk about music. So we're changing it up a little bit. We're doing something a little different. We're not talking about Star Wars. We're not talking about wrestling. We're not talking about sports. We're talking music. And I don't know what exactly we're going to talk about music. Could be that one genres, could be interesting. Could be chart top and stuff. We have no idea. So you better turn in, tune in because it's going to be well, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. So thank you guys. Have a good night. Peace out, and we'll see you next week.